I was, thought, I was thinking about that. I'm sorry. No. Captain's Clog, Star-Lord, Dot of the Dance. I'm Captain Britton of the Gaystrom Institute for Star Trek Freaks. And I'm Reman Psychic Pat. These are the voyages of the starship USS. Your teacher, Elazar Fig, dies at the end of Hogwarts Legacy. Our ongoing mission. To explore new Trek episodes, to seek out old Trek, both cringe and based, and to boldly go... Where they lower the voice of war! Podcast is here, one half vegan, one half queer, 100% communist, unless we have a less leftist guest, with Patrick and Britton, talking, joking, farting and shitting, all about Star Trek, like our Trek the podcast is here. So listen to Soy Trek right in your ears. Right in your ears. That's right what in it your is. Ears. Hey, welcome <laughs> to the bridge. This is Soy Trek. I'm Captain Britain. And I'm Pat. This is the podcast where two Trekkies ask themselves Is it called Nemesis because it's the enemy of Star Trek fans? I think so. I think so, too. Yeah, it's. it's Definitely the weakest installment. It's uh, 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 T, Earl Grey, weak. <laughs> uh, well, uh, so, um, uh, we have ads now, as you may have noticed. You don't want ads. Well, Soyagers, for as little as $2 a month, you can subscribe to our Patreon and not only get ad-free episodes, you also get them in high-quality stereo MP3s instead of that shitty mono trash. Like, uh, you, know who, you know who recorded in mono? Who? Basically, all the racist musicians hmm. from, from like the 1930s, 40s, 50s, oh, 60s. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. yeah, like, um, what's the guy? Guy who's singing, like, uh, doing the doing the jazz thing. Oh, oh, Al Jolson. Yeah, Al, Joel, Al uh, Jolson. Mammy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the first talkies were definitely in mono. I'm pretty, pretty pause. Mm-hmm. Pretty pause on that one. Wow, that sucks. Yeah, I don't want to be yeah, like those guys. You don't want that racist sound, that <laughs> racist recording method. <laughs> well, uh, uh, so so you get them in, in, in stereo, which is cool. You also uh, get all the episodes at once instead of having to wait for them to trickle out over the week like everyone else. Mm. Like a, uh, you know, like come trickling down your leg after you uh, go to that No Loads Refused train. <laughs> you know, that the, they just removed, uh, released that movie, I think it was Bullet Train. Oh, yeah, I watched it. It's good. Yeah, is it pretty good? Yeah. Is it Actually, be- is it- I, I, surpri- I was surprised I liked it because... Interesting. Uh, is it about like running a train on someone and then like stick sticking a, a gun in their pussy? Actually, no, no. no. Disappointing. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. We need we need more movies where the the crux of the plot is sticking a gun in someone's butthole or pussy. Yeah, I'm not sure if that actually happens. There is a lot of gunplay in there, but uh-huh. a lot of funny, a lot of funny knife play, mm. a lot of funny poison play. A funny poison play, you say? Funny poison play. Interesting. Yeah, there's. It's it's good. It's good. I I would recommend it. But it's clearly that it's not actually uh, filmed in Japan. Like it's one of those movies that's that's obviously all filmed on a green screen. Right. Right. So like uh, so all the scenes of Japan like look very very fake. And yeah, it was filmed in L.A. or something. Of course, of course. 
Also, uh, on our Patreon, which is at uh, patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs, if you pay $10 a month, uh, you get unlimited access to my Plex server, uh, which uh, has about 15,000 films and an ever-growing collection of shows, about mm. 450 now. Uh, let's see what I get this week. I, um, I got all of Shasta McNasty. Oh, my God. I, I love got, that show. Uh, all, uh, all of blue-collar TVs going up. Mm. I got all of Punked. Mm. I, got, I got, did you know, you know t- um, Tony Millionaire? Yeah, Drinky Crow. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he had a, a show called The Drinky Crow Show for like oh, one yeah. season. Yeah, I, I, got ca- all that. I kind of caught some episodes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and you know what show you should get is What's um, uh, the Jamie Kennedy Experience. I've experiment. been, I've been, I've been trying. So it's at um Scarecrow, so I can rip it. Mm. I'm, I've been trying to find it online, and it like doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. People don't want to rewatch because that. that has a really funny episode where he's dressed like a Ferengi. Interesting. Like uh, where he's playing like a um. Like a like a cop at a uh, he's like undercover at a uh, costume party, mm-hmm. and he's dressed as a Ferengi. So that's part of the joke where he's like uh. he's like screaming in a guy's face where the drugs are, and but he's like ha- but he looks like Quark. Interesting. <laughs> I generally find uh, Jamie Kennedy supremely unfunny. So I'll, <laughs> I'll probably have to take your word for that. I don't know when I, I when that show was on, like I think I was in tears laughing uh-huh. yeah. at the time. Yeah, and then also coming. I was in tears the entire time while watching Malibu's Most Wanted. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's the thing. Like he went on to not make re- any good movies, bad movies. Like I don't even know what he's doing now. But um, but mm-hmm. Jamie Kennedy Experiment, mm-hmm. it's 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 great. Do you think he uh, he ever like Jamie Kennedy experimented with his roommates in college? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, also you know, I mean, how do you think he probably got that job in the first place? Yeah, you know, Harvey all, Weinstein. All, all, all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Is Jack, Robert, they got the wrong two Kennedys. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, also, if you pay us $5 or more a month, uh, we mention your name. Mm. People just like Dan Morrison, Dylan Lance, Ian Killia, Joanna Hearn, Jordan Hale, Nick Savard, Shane Sawyer, and David Croning Seats. Mm. All of whom are contributors and all of whom are awesome and deserve... To not watch Star Trek Nemesis. So if they ask you, hey, let's please not watch Star Trek Nemesis, turn it off for them. Do a solid. Yeah, why not? No. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I fell asleep during the first, our first rewatch of it. It's mm-hmm. probably, it's not really worth watching. Indeed. So <laughs> uh, once again, that's uh, patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs. Uh, that's one more time. One more time. Patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs. Uh, that's dumb idiot in the letters BS, which stand for bullshit. But also stand for Bolsonaro submissive. Yeah. Yeah. Bow sniffer. Yeah. Not a coincidence <laughs> on either on either of those things. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what what we what we watch this week, Pat? Star Trek Nemesis. Oh boy, we certainly did. Let's Oof. get into it. <laughs> I, I didn't write a theme song yet, so we, uh, get, to, we get to make one again. Nemesis, 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 baby back nemesis. Chili's baby back nemesis. Barbecue sauce. I want my nemesis, 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 nemesis. I want my nemesis, 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 nemesis. I want my nemesis, 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 nemesis. We're not doing this. Oh, I didn't. I didn't even know that's what we were doing the first time. I was trying to actually like get it right. <laughs> that was good. Watch Star Trek Nemesis with me.
good enough. Maybe I'll mash them together and we'll see if something can produce. No, I won't. <laughs> All right, we watched um, we watched Star Trek Nemesis, the the final of the TNG films, mm. the tenth film released overall in the Star Trek series, and fourth overall of the TNG films. Correct, the fourth and final. Thank God, um, and it's also. Uh, up until this point, the longest period of time between two Star Trek films. Hmm. Uh, previously, um, I think it uh, was between uh, Generations and uh, Star Trek VI. Hmm. But but this time it was like almost three years between the two movies, which is, I guess, the longest time they, uh, they, went, they went without a Star Trek film. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, like um, DS9 had ended. Yep, DS9 and... ended like a year before. yeah. So that so they didn't really have to come up with any explanation why Worf is back, <laughs> right? Right, and, and this also um, maybe we should mention. We'll we'll talk about it in production notes and stuff and subspace mm-hmm. transmissions. But it, uh, the filming of this coincided with the filming of the first season of Enterprise. Mm. Yeah, so that's that's an interesting. Interesting. Point. All right, so um, let's go through some uh, some cursory stuff here. Star Trek Nemesis. Released on December 9th, 2002, that was a Los Angeles premiere, but released uh, to the wider United States on December 13th, twenty uh, sorry, 2002. So it was kind of meant to be a, a Christmas film. They wanted Ugh. to get that big Christmas audience in there. It would have failed. What, 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 when, when was it released? Uh, December Jan- 13th. Uh, December t- 13th? Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yep. it's more of a fuck you with January type film. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> it's not definitely not like in the on par with like you know uh, mm-hmm. like Lord of the Rings or something that were always released during Christmas and mm-hmm. that was like the big Christmas film. So uh, this one was directed by Stuart Baird, who mm-hmm. uh, previously to this had no experience at all with the Star Trek franchise. Nope. Which is interesting, and we'll definitely talk about that when we get more into the weeds. This is his third feature film that he's directed. Wow. Uh, he was best known as an editor before this. He's actually mm-hmm. a very prolific editor. Yeah. He's edited at least like 30 like blockbuster major motion pictures. Um, and uh, he actually had to make several deals with the studio in order to get the directorship of this movie. Mm. Which makes me wonder why he wanted to direct this movie so bad. Because like the previous two films he had done, which were... Uh, uh, executive decision, uh, mm-hmm. the um, um, Kurt Russell film where Steven Skull dies in like the first twenty yeah, minutes, which that, rocks. That, that, that does rock it. Yeah, it does rock. <laughs> and plus, it shows like his like Steven Seagal's body just like fly out. Yeah, just, yeah, like, yeah. It, yeah, it's like, so very unceremoniously. Sick. It's yeah, awesome. I love it. Yeah, we and, and they call those people terrorists. Come on, like, <laughs> yeah, I know. They, they were. Should, they should give them the more award. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, there's so much to go back in time and show them Steven Seagal today, and they'd be like, they really would just shoot they'd be like, oh, you're U.S. Marshals now, yeah. <laughs> and that's what his next film. U.S. Marshals is about. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Stuart Baird's second film was uh, U.S. Marshals starring Tommy Lee Jones, which was a, um, uh, in the same storyline, uh, the, uh, what do you call it? The fucking CIA dumb piece of shit. Um, oh, um, Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. Jack, yeah, yeah, the Jack Ryan series by Tom Clancy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the movie is actually pretty good. It's, it's fine. Like, even though I, I used to the, not uh, mind those CIA films, propaganda. but yeah, they there are like watching them back. I'm like, man, fuck this. Yeah, <laughs> like there's good acting and stuff, but mostly it's like fuck this. It's and it's like it's actually a lot easier for me to say something like that than like uh, I've been watching a lot of Horatio Hornblower lately. Mm. You ever watch Horatio Hornblower? No. Okay, I put that up on my server. Uh, you should get fucking sign up for my server specifically for that if you're listening, because Horatio Hornblower fucks. Like you're a big fan of Master and Commander. Yeah. Uh, Horatio Hornblower is 
eight episodes, each of which are almost two hours long, basically of Master and Commander. Man, and I'm sure whoever Horn is must be really happy. Hey. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, I was, uh, I had a friend over last night and uh, I, I made them watch Horatio Hornblower. And I'm like, yeah, it's great because uh, this is the only series I think I've ever watched that asks the fundamental question that really needs to be asked. What if a twink was captain? Mm. Because Horatio Hornblower is like a twink and like mm-hmm. a, a good looking, like they, they chose a, a hot dude for that part, which I, I mean, I like the show just for the show, but I'm also like, Hot twink <laughs> as well. Hot twink top. Well, it is interesting. Like back then, like a lot of like the sea captains and everything were like 19 years old. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so, like, in, in the beginning of the thing, he starts out as like a, a what a junior grade lieutenant. Then they always they only call it lieutenant because yeah. British. And I'm like, why? I hate it. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um. Yep, yeah, that's fun. Anyway, back to uh, back to this 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 film. Uh, the screenplay to Nemesis is by John Logan. Who had written a bunch of stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, he's best known for like Gladiator up to this point. Yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, but uh, we also have a story credit for Rick Berman, of course. He always takes a story credit, and one for Brent Spiner, who's also like uh, an associate producer on this, in the exact same way that um, on Wrath of Khan, uh, because Spock got to die on there. They gave a story credit to Leonard Nimoy, mm. as well as an associate producer credit, basically for the trouble he was of killing like, off his character. Mm. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, uh, and also I'd say kind of a noble thing. I'd say yeah. because they're like, "Hey, listen, we're gonna kill off your character, so you can't really make money on this franchise anymore, at least in like appearances." Although we know that wasn't fucking true at all for Brent Spiner. He was in he was in fucking Enterprise two years later. Oh, he, yeah. he was he was in Star Trek sooner than anybody else in the TNG cast after Nemesis. That's why um I don't think it should have been him that killed died at the end. I think it should no. I think it should have been Picard. Because that would have ruled, and, honestly. And, that and, that honestly that would have made the movie actually make sense. Like yeah. it would actually be a good movie if that was the case. And and follow me here. You know who should have lived? Shinzon, and then redemption for Shinzon, and then he replaces Picard going on. That that is an, a great <laughs> idea. No, no. Like so. So at the very end, like so. Okay. So I had a I had a better idea. Hmm kind of have a Shinzon storyline. Mm-hmm. However, just like halfway through the movie, there's no, we don't actually have a Shinzon reveal or anything. Mm. Like halfway or, or three quarters of the way through the movie, Picard suddenly realizes that he is Shinzon. Mm. And like all of his memories have been planted and stuff like that. And then in the real Picard is in captivity somewhere. Sort of like the O'Brien thing. Exactly. Yeah. Sort of like whispers, but like, you know, play it, play it differently. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. originally, um, John, um, uh, uh, Patrick Stewart wanted to play both. Parts. That would have, um, uh, so, so that actually might've made sense. Cause I think the, the part where this film really breaks apart is it is like, it, it's a villain. It's about the villain mm-hmm. more so than, than anything. And it's supposed to be the send off for the TNG crew. They knew this was going to be the last TNG film before the, like in pre-production basically. Yeah. Uh, so they really don't have any excuse for like the writing of this and like, Mm-mm. I don't know, like. A lot of it is very unceremonious, but we'll get into that. I think I'm probably like a lot of the unceremonious shit's probably from Rick Berman's uh, and, and yes, because like if he has like some any sort of like creative control over the although script. there was a one or two decisions in here that are like fundamental decisions that like 
he was for or against that I actually agree with. And we'll talk about that in the production notes. Mm. There's a couple of things he says that I'm like, I actually agree with Rick Berman, and that's super weird. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Um, so the top build cast uh, is, uh, <laughs> this is funny. Patrick Stewart, Jonathan Frakes, Brent Spiner, LeVar Burton, Michael Dorn, and then we have Tom Hardy, and then build below Tom Hardy or Gates McFadden, Marina Sirtis. So, <laughs> yeah, right? So they just, they, they literally... And, and well, I mean, like, so, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Listen to this billing order Patrick Stewart, white male, Jonathan Frakes, white male, Brent Spiner, white male, LeVar Burton, black male, Michael Dorn, black male, Tom Hardy, visiting, <laughs> visiting, Gates McFadden, woman, Marina Sirtis, wooden. Yeah. woman so it's it's almost like a uh like a descent uh, also tom hardy gay so it's like a, <laughs> a descending list of privilege here yeah. <laughs> and that really also i mean tom hardy definitely has a big role in it but that also kind of goes by like their their um uh their actions in the movie because like basically Worf, jordy Deanna and and um uh, and uh, Beverly have nothing to do. No, they, and they have basically <laughs> like, nothing to do with the film. Like the entire time, all they're doing is taking orders. Yep. Uh, except for uh, Troy, who like half the time she's fucking war for like I don't know. She has got a little more agency because she kind of has the twist. Yeah, she and, has one one good one thing that she does, but like yeah. But like Worf especially, but also I, like, in order nothing. to do that thing, she has to like completely lose her agency in yeah. another scene, and which is like woof. We'll get into that though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, this this film is one of the longer Star Treks at 117 minutes, almost two hours long. Wow, yeah. and you feel it too. Like it, it is. It feels so much longer than that. I'm not gonna lie. Like yeah. about an hour in, I'm like, this has to be about done, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like every time, and I'm like, it's literally just halfway done. Oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 a slog, and it's like, but yeah. I mean, it does have like ongoing repercussions for Picard. It does, and it does. And I actually kind of got this movie conflated with part of uh, Star Trek two thousand nine because mm. for some reason, like, it was in my mind that Shinzon is the one who blew up uh, like Romulan, and shit. but no, that's, he wouldn't even be alive. Yeah, that, that's yeah. But but the thing is, yeah, it it happens just a few years after this, but in Star Trek two thousand nine, mm-hmm. which is super convoluted as fuck let's be honest yeah <laughs> like the whole blowing up of romulus is just not not great for the story it, it's they shouldn't have kept that speaking of the, what they shouldn't have kept you want to jump into star trek nemesis let's do it here we go <laughs> on romulus in the capital city there's two romulan commanders who are urging the senate to accept an alliance with someone who they refer to as shinzon of remus and uh, we got to remember here that uh, Remus and Romulan have been uh, discussed a lot before. They haven't discussed Remus a ton, but we know Romulan is like the capital planet, and Remus is just like another planet in that solar system. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, they tell them they need to accept an alliance with Shinzon of Remus, which they say is an opportunity that would make the Empire powerful enough to outmatch any foe within the Quadrant, even the Federation. Mm. Uh, but their proposal falls on deaf ears as Praetor Hiren silences him, telling him that, quote, the military does not dictate policy on Romulus, which, are you sure? Because <laughs> I feel like the Praetor is both the military and, like, it shows here, like, the political leader, right? Because mm-hmm. we've seen before, the Praetor is definitely a military leader. 
Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I don't think, I think they're interchangeable, right? On Romulus. I think they are. I don't think this person, whoever wrote this doesn't understand the politics of, of Romulus at all. No, or really Romulans, because this whole scene, I don't know, the, 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 the high, the Romulan high councils dispatched very easily. Very, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about it. So, um, uh, he says, uh, military does not dictate policy on Romulus and that Shinzon and his followers will be met with all deliberate force and sent back to, quote, the black rock that they came from, which was actually kind of a cool line. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing that the Praetor has himself uh, made himself clear, the two commanders leave after a covert glance from Senator Tellura, which is a pretty hot Romulan lady. As soon as not hot enough though. Yeah, right. Uh, as, soon, <laughs> as soon as they're gone, uh, Telora stands up and excuses herself for a scheduled meeting with a Tholian ambassador. As the Senate begins discussing trade relations with Celis II, which is super weird because they're like, "All right, so anyway, the vote." Like they don't like bring anything back to order or anything. They're just like, "What we were talking about." Of course, everyone remembers. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a small device on the table in front of uh, where Telora was sitting. And it uh, it suddenly begins to open up, and it is some dog shit CGI. It looks so weird and flat and bad. It it obviously looks like it's like a a little box with like a, a green screen thing in it, and they just mm. built something on top of it. It looks funny bad. <laughs> like yeah, it's very bad. Um, so a small device left behind by Talara opens sending a bunch of greenish energy particles all over the room. And then they like fly up to the ceiling and then just like dissipate back on the ground. And they're just like, Oh, that's fine. Yeah. They're like, huh? Huh? Oh, uh, so no, I think, Oh, that's cute. Little fireworks. Yeah, they're all a little confused. And so the Praetor calls for security and, uh, to bring Talara back, but it's too late. And he like his, he like disintegrates. Like he was just set on fire. Yeah. Like, it, everyone turns into ash and it's, <laughs> It's pretty bad effects, but I think it's kind of cool. It's bad cool. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, and it's something that you don't see at all uh, again mm. in, the, in the movie. Yeah. And it's something that probably should have come back in yeah, some, it's a, in some it's way. It's a cool, weird weapon, and I wish we got to see it again. Yeah. Or I, mean, I wish they talked about, like, this is the technology, and here's why it's a threat, and here's why they're going to use it on everybody or something. But they don't really do that. Yeah, they don't, and they kind of tie it in that, oh, this is the same thing as, like, as the big, as the, you know, the MacGuffin later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. just like, but not enough is, like, stress that this is the result. This is, like, the, um, uh, um, what the, what the capabilities of this awful thing is. It's mm-hmm. like because this is the only time we see it, and by the time he comes up again, we've totally forgotten about it. <laughs> Absolutely. No no fun for anybody. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, th- this whole scene is fine, but mm-hmm. it's, like, and it's a good way to start out a movie. Like, I, I love, the, like, the villain reveal at the very beginning. Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, they say, uh, like, He-Man and Masters of the Universe is, like, supposed to be one of the like structurally almost a perfect film. And it starts out with like the Skeletor scene mm-hmm. and it's, it fucking rules. Like we love that, but like, it's, it's weird how they keep on like, I mean, the person who directed this obviously doesn't know how to direct a film because they do like kind of a big reveal in a way at the very beginning of the film. And then they have to do another big villain reveal. It's actually not really a reveal. And then like later in that scene, there's an actual reveal kind of, and there's, there's yeah. too much going on. Yeah. I feel like they probably should have introduced Shinzon now. 
Yeah, they should have at least shown Shinzon's face because yeah. they they show Shinzon's face later and act like it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. But then it takes like a few minutes for them to actually explain why it's a big deal. And I mm-hmm. feel I feel like they should have shown his face at some point around here and then explained why it's a big deal later. Because what he looks like doesn't necessarily matter. No. Unless like you're really adept and you can just pick up on the cues that they didn't that the writers didn't even lay down. Yeah. Other than that, oh, there's two bald guys. I wonder <laughs> if they're the same bald guy. Yeah. Um, even still, just like maybe just show him in shadows, you know, that would make sense, you know, just like yeah. sort of like an outline of him, like Ugh. so next, um uh fucking cut to black. Um and by the way, there's like the credits on this movie just like start at the very beginning of the film <laughs> yeah. and they are the worst credits I think I've ever seen in my life. Uh, insurrection credits were worse. I don't think so. Insurrection credits were over top of the people playing and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But this yeah. is just like, so it, it just says Star Trek and then it shows Nemesis underneath and there's like two letters that are backwards and <laughs> yeah. it, it looks like fucking shit. Yeah. It looks so bad and it's dumb. It's, yeah. It's like the Toys R Us font. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like Toys R Us. <laughs> it's like yeah. a completely new fucking font that they use and it's a bad font and yeah. it's just like a font in space. It's like Nemesis. And actually that's, that's one of the things I uh, agreed with Rick Berman on is they, when they turned the letter backwards, uh, Stuart Baird was like, Oh, I want it to be like a, a, a mirror. Cause you know, there's a whole lot of duality in mirror mm-hmm. fucking, shit in this movie and uh rick berman uh said on a commentary yeah i wasn't a fan of that decision at all and i actually agree with that i agree with you rick berman turning those letters backwards was dumb because also like later on in the film there's not they they kind of talk about the the duality you know between you know, with they, like they do with, and they talk, they but it's like mirror but it's not, a couple times it's not stressed enough i think like showing like how shinzon is the inverse of yeah, of of Picard. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about yeah. that. So uh, we go we cut to another scene here. Captain Picard speaks about how a Starfleet captain's life is filled with solemn duties. He remembers commanding men in battle, negotiating peace treaties between in uh, incapable enemies, and leading numerous first contact missions. Twenty-seven of them, he says, mm-hmm. which is a crazy number. Uh, but all that pales in comparison for the duty he is called on to perform at this moment. As best man. <laughs> we got the Riker wedding, baby. Uh, this is a wedding reception in progress for uh, commander and soon-to-be captain of the Titan, Will Riker, and his new wife, counselor, Deanna Troy. And this is uh, on Earth at the foot of the magnificent uh, magnificent Alaskan mountains of Riker's home state of Alaska, which uh, mm. that's what it says. Definitely wasn't filmed in Alaska. No one films anything in Alaska except for Guess what? Steven Seagal. Also, they didn't really do any sort of establishing shots. No, none. Like there should have, there should have been like, it's very, like it's, it starts off very close. So you can't, so you can't get the, like the, the lay of the land of even where they are. Like I didn't like until now you just saying like, it's on earth. Like that's news to me. I know. Yeah. (laughs) It could have been on the holodeck. Yeah. That's the thing. I thought it was on the holodeck. Yeah. 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 I thought it was on holodeck the first time I watched it. The second time I'm like, I think is this on, I think, Hmm. Is and this I on Earth? The, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had I had no clue. Yeah, I I sweared up swear because like they show up on because the next shot is like yeah them when after the wedding they're on the bridge. Yep. So there's no there's no shot of them leaving Earth to no. Enterprise. Mm-mm. So at the table at the reception, along with Picard and Riker, are or sorry the Rikers now. Oh. 
Deanna are, Riker. Mm-hmm. That's, that doesn't sound right. No, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> although Will Troy is a pretty cool name. And he does. And he, does he does call, call him, him that. Yeah, know. Mr. Troy. Uh, so we also got uh, Data, uh, Jordy LaForge, Worf, Beverly Crusher, and guess what? Wesley Crusher is the only seen in the movie. He actually had a speaking role, but they cut it. Um, Which I agree with Stuart Byrne on this. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, so, so Stuart Byrne, So, so John Logan originally wrote him into the script, and um, uh, Will Wheaton actually had no idea that the film was even being made. But uh, until he talked to Lavar Burton, and Lavar Burton's like, "Yeah, we're making the last film now." And uh, Will Wheaton's like, "Oh, can I be in it?" And so, like, a couple of people talked, and then um, I can. Uh, Will Wheaton's agent called him like a week later, and he's like, "Hey, you're in the film." And he, he had no idea what he was doing. And they gave him one line, but John Logan... He does look very uncomfortable in, the, yeah. in this because like he's just kind of sitting there and he has sort of like a I just poop my pants type yeah. expression. So, so John Logan, <laughs> when writing this, couldn't make a decision to what he was doing exactly with him because he was still a traveler at this point, we assume. Yeah. And so what is he doing back on Earth? He's got like bigger thing, bigger fucking fish to fry than this wedding. Yeah. But like no one could like really figure out a good reason so they just cut his line and put him in the wedding <laughs> it's like okay fine that but would like, have been that would have been a good reason why it's on the hollow deck and it's just like a hollow it's a hollow wesley that's attending the wedding <laughs> i would have liked that <laughs> yeah that yeah. would have made sense just uh hollow wesley and then his dead father as well. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's like a whole bunch of others, just like, like Tasha Mc- Yar is there for some reason as Ronald, well. Ronald McDonald, <laughs> Ronald Reagan, <laughs> yeah, Ronald Reagan. Oh, very, oh, Stewie, yeah. <laughs> Family Guy is there. He's just like at the wedding. Ooh, I'm going to kill the Chancellor Troy because I'm a gay baby. Riker's like, there's no one else I wanted at my wedding more than you guys. <laughs> like, ah, come here, come, uh, come here, Riker. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> Yeah, that's something that they should show more in Star Trek, you know. What, uh, you, uh, you want Family Guy in Star Trek? Yeah. Have I got a show for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like it's like you know, when they have they have the holodeck, they can hang out with whoever they want, and then and when it shows it, they're always hanging out with <laughs> fucking boring people like Leonardo da Vinci or yeah, some people, shit. Well, I mean, they're always hanging out with people whose like uh, IP is expired, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so they don't have to pay royalties. Like. But come on, man, just put just put Peter Griffin on the holodeck and have them just like hanging out. With Peter Griffin, why not? Let's yeah, just yeah, or like uh, imagine fucking like Riker just perving out with a uh, quagmire. Yeah, <laughs> giggity giggity goo. I hate this so much. <laughs> like, I'm gonna write a script. I'm gonna submit it. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get them to make it for Discovery. I'm, I bet they'll do it. Well, we're taking fan submission scripts again. <laughs> oh, this guy Pat. He seems to have a really good one here. It has Family Guy in it. Mm-hmm. People love Family Guy. All right. So Picard talks about how as a best man, he is expected to be gracious and very complimentary on this blessed union. But he begins jokingly complaining that they are not considering the damned inconvenience they are putting him through. Uh, the USS Enterprise-E is losing its first officer and counselor. Uh, as they depart for Riker's new command, the USS Titan where Picard is sure they will be blissfully happy mm. while he is left behind having to train his new first officer, a tyrannical Martinet who will never ever allow me to go on away missions data to whom Picard is referring <clears throat> begins quoting the applicable Starfleet regulation and Picard amiably tells him to shut up <laughs> and everybody laughs. Honestly, I really liked this. This is 
oddly, in my opinion, the only scene that shows Picard as he was progressing at the end of All Good Things. Yeah. I, like, this is the Picard who actually goes to the poker games. Yes. Like, yeah. and this is, I like this scene a lot. Mm-hmm. And if they would have built from the scene and actually had, like, this rapport throughout the movie, it would have been a charming, very fun movie. Yeah, because that, that, that's what would have really sold on the ending, which would be more scenes of Picard and Data having some sort of moments and exploring. Well, that, that, that yeah, I mean, that, and you're right, like, Data shouldn't have been the one. Yeah. Because they didn't build it up correctly, and the whole, like, the movie, like, with before and everything, it, like, it doesn't work for me. Like, Plus, it would tie into his speech here where, you know, he's saying, like, you know, oh, he won't let me go on away missions. Yeah. And like, and so you think that's what's going to happen because they keep, because like bring up the fact like Picard, you know, he's not allowed to go on away missions. Mm-hmm. Like he's, there's all this um, um, restrictions of him going on the away missions. And then like, um, and you think like Data is going to keep to those rules and then like be the one to do the sacrifice. But it's mm-hmm. Picard, like he's like, sorry, Data, maybe next time. I mean, it's it's the exact same thing with, like, Data, like, at the very end, basically saved the day in First Contact, too, by almost mm-hmm. sacrificing himself. Yeah. Or sacrificing the humanity he was given and whatever, mm-hmm. the skin and shit. And so, like... Yeah, it would have made more sense in, in, in First Contact for him to die. Yes, it would have like. made so... It would have <laughs> been awesome for him to die in First Contact. Uh, we've talked about it before, but Brent Spiner asked um, Rick Berman to be killed at the end of Insurrection... Uh, and actually only took the job on insurrection on the contingency that he would be killed off in the movie. Mm-hmm. And like the first day of filming, Rick Berman's uh, told him, sorry, we'll do it next time. <laughs> yeah. Which like, I mean, fuck you, Rick Berman, first off. Uh, but also it, it, it but it's it, also like, you know, I, I'm not sure if Brent Spiner thought he was going to have such a, like a rich career outside of Star Trek or something. I mean, because it was because it, because it turned out to be Patrick Stewart, because right after this Pat or during this, was it Patrick Stewart was in the X-Men films. True, true. Yeah, and yeah. so, during he, this, he, so the he, first one was the year before this. Yeah, because, you know, uh, sex best Brian Singer makes an appearance in this movie. Yeah. Right. And, like, and so the director of those X-Men films. And um, uh, yeah, so like Patrick Stewart really had more going on, mm-hmm. you know, career wise, like it would have made sense for him to take the. Take, take the, the L. Take the L. Oh. And, you know, Brent Spiner, you know, like, he's still, you know, gripping onto the, the teat of Star Trek. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. If if they would have uh, made it Patrick Stewart, we would not have season one or two of Star Trek Picard. So you're saying it should have been Patrick Stewart. It should have been Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Why wasn't it Patrick Stewart? And hear me out. Like, it, we would have had a Shinzon redemption arc. Yeah, and, like, and then and then Tom Hardy could have starred mm-hmm. in more in more Star Trek films, or get this, a Star Trek series. Yeah, imagine Tom Hardy in those DSLs <laughs> on the Enterprise DSL. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Enterprise DSL. <laughs> All right, that's the name. That's the yeah. Written that one down because I do feel like the Picard series is has been trying to redeem Nemesis. Yeah, like, which sucks. It's it's like every, because like it totally totally I totally forgot that uh, Data singing uh, the Blue Sky song was from this. I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, that's where he yep. sang it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And then it has B four in like mm-hmm. it, it, it's not Data in Star Trek Picard season one is B four. Yeah, and so like I uh, like uh, so when you think about it, like Star Trek Picard. The show, at least the first season, the only real backstory 
it it works on is Star Trek Nemesis and Star Trek 2009. Mm-hmm. Those are like the only two things like that have like impactful events that have any lasting memory in that show. Yeah. I mean, I guess vaguely TNG, vaguely. <laughs> yeah. uh, and also like first contact in season two because of the board queen. Mm-hmm. But also that was Voyager and a lot of other stuff. So. I don't know. So uh, Picard tells Data to shut up. Everyone laughs. Um, and Picard remarks that he's waiting for 15 years to say that to Data. Once again, pretty good line. I like it. Then Picard solemnly tells Riker and Troy that they still have time to change their minds, but they say nah. So Picard raises his glass and expresses his sincere thanks to Riker and Troy as his indispensable guides and advisors and wishes them both the greatest happiness in their new lives together. You are my family, he says. Uh, In the best uh, maritime tradition, wishes them both clear horizons and to make it so. (laughs) <laughs> Which I liked a lot. I, Eat your I, pussy right now. <laughs> so I <laughs> make it blow, make it all soggy <laughs> like a biscuit. Um, it's like, yeah, I like this Picard. I like his like camaraderie. I like Picard with a a sense of humor. Yeah, I'm okay with that. But it's yeah, and plus yeah. you know at at weddings it's it's all right to get a little drunk as hell. You know, and, and this is actually like this is a perfect best man speech. Yeah. Except, I mean, there needs to be like one embarrassing story in here, but you know he's gonna be like, one time when me and Riker went down to Risa. Oh fuck, I can't say any of that. Well, one I? time we were on the hollow deck. <laughs> oh we fuck! Both, no, 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 no. <laughs> we double teamed a, a hologram named Minuet. <laughs> Well, actually, but then we found out it was just Jordy and Drag. <laughs> actually, Riker had his way with him. I watched. <laughs> I watched from the corner of a seedy, smoky jazz bar, <laughs> pleasuring myself to the view. I got a hand job from the drummer. <laughs> <laughs> his name was to- Toothless Gummy Jim. <laughs> Gummy Jim. <laughs> Trying to think, think I'm trying to give a jazz name. <laughs> gummy, gummy Jim. That's that. That sounds like a place you drop off your kids when you're like shopping at the mall. Right? They'll take him to the gummy gym. <laughs> yeah. It's that's fucking Captain Kirk after he's had too many edibles. <laughs> um. Anyway, so uh, Picard invites everyone to join him in a toast and says, To the bride and groom. Everyone raises their glass in a toast, and Riker leans over and kisses Deanna, his new wife. <coughs> Later, as the guest dance, Jordy LaForge is sharing a table with Guinan and asks if she has ever considered remarrying. She says no, stating that 23 was my limit. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's, I mean, and well, she's talking, she's, um, Thing about Guinan is she's a lot like Leonardo DiCaprio. So <laughs> instead of twenty five though, twenty three is her limit. Well, I don't know. Leo is dating a nineteen year old right now. Apparently, that's just a rumor, not true. Which makes oh. me think that his publicist was just testing the waters. Like, will society accept this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, okay. Sorry. Back in the closet, lady. It's like, oh crap, because she's actually in reality, she's much younger. <laughs> they don't like nineteen. Ooh. Um. So, meanwhile, a very hungover wharf moans and grumbles that Romulan ale should be illegal, and Jordy LaForge from another table reminds him that it is. <laughs> Poor wharf, he's just like, he's just like wasted, because I also, supposedly he gave up his ambassadorship. What? 
Yeah, like that's that's what that's that like uh, I guess they were supposed to include a line saying the reason he's back in Starfleet because remember he was out of Starfleet. yeah yeah because he was like yeah he was working for the Klingon Empire that sucks that was his dream come true yep that's like the thing that fulfilled him in life yep this crew doesn't fulfill him Martok fulfills him. yes Martok is his captain <laughs> and, and, what uh, the fuck yeah like I guess there was a line um, that um, ambassadorship didn't work out for him and that's why he's back on the Enterprise didn't he, work out for him he took I guess he I guess he took a demotion because he's back just um, on on uh, on uh, weapons and shit yeah yeah he's just tactical yeah he's just ta- he's just a tactical officer again so I'm guessing he took a, uh, a demotion of some that kind. sucks. <laughs> and then just to come back to work on the Enterprise, just do his the same job he had instead of his dream job. Yeah, he was like, yeah, I got my dream job with my best bud, but yeah. you know, I failed at that, even though I had literally the most experience of diplomacy between the Klingon Empire and the Federation out of anybody yeah. ever. <laughs> like, and really, and they should have just had. I mean, I'm get. Michael Dorn, because I know Michael Dorn was like unhappy with the fact that he didn't have anything to do in this movie, and yeah. he doesn't. Like he mm. blows up a go kart. That's about it. And um, really, he should have just had a. He should just probably been at the wedding, but or or, honest, ma- or like, like as like as like you know the visiting Klingon as a Klingon ambassador, and not really joined in with the rest of the fest things right yeah and and then maybe have a line about how he misses his wife or something like that yeah because once again he's at a wedding now and he's just like he's drunk but he's just like (laughs) drunk drunk not like oh i'm drinking to numb the pain i remember my wedding four years ago (laughs) you know come on yeah like he's he's just like (laughs) he's just like uh drinking the pain away like yeah no wife Gave up his, quit his job as no ambassador. wife, no life. Yeah, no. no wife, no life, and now he's back doing tactical for uh, mm-hmm. his fucking old boss. That the fucking suck. House of Picard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So back at the table, uh, Troy compliments Picard on his toast, and she assures him she will brief his new counselor on all she needs to know. But Picard absolutely forbids it, saying Troy already knows too much about him as it is. I guess not enough. She doesn't know that he. Uh, his mom fucking killed herself. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't. She doesn't know <laughs> shit about him. <laughs> like, yeah, really. Yeah, nobody knows. It knows the real Picard, except for Q, because he sucked his dick. He sucked that information right out of him. Yeah, even suppose that I guess Q must have known this, all this stuff about Picard from the beginning. Yeah, he did because you know he's like a master of time and shit. Mm-hmm. Um. So Picard asks if he'll have to make a speech during the ceremony on Beta Z. Riker tells him there will be no speeches, and as per tradition, no clothes either. Hells yeah. And then Jonathan Frakes smiles so widely that you can see every single one of his teeth. It is amazing. Like, you know he, like, he was just waiting to say this line every time, and he's like, no clothes either. And then he's just like, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's great. I love, I love, yeah, this whole wedding scene, pretty great, actually. Like yeah, no, no. I mean, it, it just goes downhill from here. And also, there's, like, probably the wet, the best lit scene going on forward. Yes. Like everything it else, is lit, for sure. Going going, going forward, everything's so dark. Everything's dark and green. Yeah. It's like, I mean, yeah, it's basically the same color palette as, like, um, First Contact, but worse. Yeah, and really, it's, like, the highest point, also the highest point of the film in the terms of everyone's um, attitudes. Because everyone, because uh-huh. everything just gets so grim yes, and just and depressing, 
and it doesn't really end too hopeful, you know, for the for not the, at all. And no. like, so it's a, no, it's not a great send out for the crew. It's not no. a hopeful send out. It's not like Star Trek Six. As much as I'm not a huge fan of the film, mm-hmm. it does a very good job of sending out the crew at the very end. Yeah, it like did. at the very end, you're like, yeah. Oh, that's, that's a great last mission. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're going to go out one last time. Awesome. Mm-hmm. This you're like, uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they're not going to go out one last time at all. Yeah. I think I had more of a sense of relief, <laughs> like, uh, that it was over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause, Cause you know, at the end of this film, like fucking Troy and Riker are leaving. So it's like, everyone's disbanding. So it's not only a send off. It's just like these people their their relationships are all going to become fractured, and that's sad. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 not a good send off. It's not hopeful at all. No, and the um, fact, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. Worf's back in his shitty job mm-hmm. that he hates. <laughs> Data's dead, mm-hmm. but we got B four. <laughs> yeah, we got B four in his B four skin. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Data, speaking of foreskin, Data stands up um, and calls for everyone's attention. Interesting to note, he says. Ladies and gentlemen, an invited transgendered species. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Which might, might be the like the Sorens species from that one episode. Mm. I'm guessing maybe. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there are lots of different species. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh yeah, or a melanoid slime worm or something. Mm. Actually, I guess they call Murph he, so I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with that. <laughs> so, uh, Data announces that according to his studies of Betazoid and Terran marriage traditions, both cultures find it customary to present the happy couple with a gift. Given Riker's fondness for archa- archaic Terran musical forms, Data's gift to Riker and Troy in honor of their conjugation is him singing Blue Skies. <laughs> they're like, uh, can we have a refund? Mm-hmm. And he just like starts singing an acapella and the, like, the band picks up and it kind of sucks. Uh, the song is a big hit with a happy couple and most of the guests, while Worf sinks his head back down into his table... With a groan and mutters, Irving Berlin. Now, most people, I mean, listeners of the podcast, none of them will know who Irving Berlin yeah. is. Uh, he was a like a Russian uh, lyricist mm-hmm. and like writer and shit, and uh, he wrote like uh, basically Russian Jewish show tunes. So it actually totally tracks. I yeah. think that Worf would know who Irving Berlin is. His his, his annoying parents, uh, adoptive parents, were probably playing it all the time. Oh, a hundred percent. Like <laughs> it was either this or Lay Miz, back to back to back to back. <laughs> like yeah, or maybe like Fiddler on the Roof, like is Merchant of Venice. You know, it's, it's yeah, nothing but like Russian musical shit. We should have had a scene of Worf fighting somebody. Yeah, that would have been cool. Just getting drunk and getting pissed. That, he's that all, would he's, have been so he's, fucking... He's, yeah, he's, all, get, he's all drunk and pissed that Data's singing the song he hates, and he's just like, fuck you! My wife is dead! <laughs> <laughs> I don't like weddings! Where were you assholes at my fucking wedding? <laughs> <laughs> why, did, why didn't I have this? I invited all of you! I got married in Quark's bar! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> so... Uh, um, Data didn't sing in my fucking wedding. <laughs> uh, so later, as the USS Enterprise E is making its way to Beta Z, Picard steps out onto the bridge while Troy is trying to convince Worf to honor the Betazoid wedding tradition of being naked at the wedding. Since, after all, he uh, he more than anyone should understand the importance of tradition. Mm-hmm. Worf tradition. Tra- Worf tries to appeal to Picard, saying it is inappropriate for a Starfleet officer to appear naked in public. 
Picard jokingly <coughs> wonders what a handsome, strapping, strapping fellow like Worf would have to be embarrassed about. And Worf says, it's not what he has to be embarrassed about, but every other single guest there. <laughs> or actually, that's what he thinks about saying later when he's in the sonic shower. Yeah. Instead, he, he, thinks, he goes, he, buh, 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 buh. he thinks about it later and punches a wall. <laughs> like, Fuck, that's what I should have said. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck all you. I got two huge dicks. Fuck you. <laughs> it's like, fuck it. I'm going out nude. <laughs> maybe Worf is a never nude. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. He's just, he just shows up in, in the um in the little like uh, jean cutoffs. <laughs> well, we, we would love to see that. Yeah, so, well, yeah, but that's what they should have had. They should have had that Beta Z uh, wedding. That would have been a good way to end it. Just like all of them completely nude <laughs> at, the, at the fucking, but you know, obviously like, you know, there's like a whole bunch of like conveniently placed items. And so like, and so you can't see anything, but or, and they're like, uh, we're, we're sorry. Data can't be here, but, uh, we brought before in case you want to see his dick. <laughs> be, be, He's got the same dick. Be, and before is just bricked up. He's just, he just, just completely hard. And he, he like, he, he like, sorry, we don't know how to make him stop. And so he's just like hard the entire time. Pre-cum is leaking out and just dripping all over the but he has, seats. He just has like a weird childlike smile. He's like, like, like looks like a dog. Like, as, like, as, as, like, as like as a golden retriever face. He's pre, just like, huh. Pre, pre comes just <laughs> sputtering out like a broken chocolate fountain. Just like it is an air leak, an air, air and liquid leak coming out. It goes, <laughs> <laughs> like someone punctured a hydraulic, uh, like a, yeah. like a pneuma- hydraulic fluid tube or something. <laughs> So they just have to bring up, bring it. They have to get a shield, like a like like one of the one of the um, a riot shield. <laughs> Put it in front of him. Like one of the ushers just gets like a riot, gets a shield and puts it in front of him. <laughs> they, just, they just stick a clear raincoat over him. It's clear trash. <laughs> Before you're ruining tradition, you can't. You have to be nude. But yeah, he's, but I think that, I think that would have I think that would have been a fun scene because you know it it starts on the wedding it should have ended on the wedding it really should have and it like, should have ended on Beta Z that would have been fun and, so. and it would have been great because then we would have seen all of our favorite Star Trek characters at their most <coughs> vulnerable and just showing like how how com- but no 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 um Star Trek Picard season two is definitely Picard at his most vulnerable that's true because he's in like uh, fucking cosmic therapy the entire season yeah and like but and also. Sucks hallucinogenic therapy as well because remember mm. there's that guy's baltar guy who like does therapy on him who doesn't exist yeah who's actually his dad in the end mm-hmm. if we recall yeah maybe which that would... that whole thing made tons of sense i really like that yeah how the guy who was like hallucinating doing therapy for him was his dad and he didn't recognize it was his dad <laughs> yeah that guy I'm, I'm glad someone who's like that sane is a starship captain <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not sane and he's not a star trek captain anymore oh that's true they 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 yeah, they took him out. But they're so. still like giving him like um he's still being uh tasked with solving all of these like universe shattering problems. So yeah, because he's uh, you know exceptionalism. Yeah. So. <laughs> all right. So um before Worf can say anything about his dick, he is interrupted by a beeping from the tactical console, which has detected a signal coming from the Colarian system, a positronic signature. Which is like, they have a positronic signature scanner? That's weird. Uh, LaForge narrows it down to the third planet in the system. 
Data speculates that as this signature has only been transmitted so far by androids created by Dr. Noonien Soong, Data's creator. Uh, Picard decides to set course for the planet despite it being very close to the border with the Romulan neutral zone. Why are they doing this? <laughs> they're they're on the way to like a wedding. And yeah. he's like, positronic. We got to check this out. And how do they have a positronic sensor like that? That's so weird. Yeah. I don't get that. Yeah. And plus, it, and that's why, that's another reason why I thought it was like a holodeck uh, wedding mm. because like, yeah, it just went to that. Then they're talking about the wedding on the, on the bridge of the enterprise mm-hmm. and they're near the Romulan uh, neutral zone. Right. So Which is like, like, so wait, so they were on earth. So how much time has passed between that wedding? And that's the a great question. Probably weeks <laughs> at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, yeah, they're taking weeks to get somewhere. And he's like, Oh, we got to stop for like a mission. Like, Dude, just send someone else after. Yeah, I know. Anyway, uh, Picard finds the uh, planet to still be well on the Federation side of the border and believes it is worth taking a look at. Picard assures Riker that they will still arrive in time for the ceremony on Beta Zayat, where Picard makes it clear, especially for Worf, they will observe all the Beta Zoid tradition. Mm. And with that, Picard is off to the ship's gymnasium. Dicks out for Riker and Troy's wedding. Yeah, actually, he's not uh, going to the gymnasium. He says, uh, I'm going to the gym because uh, he's got a guy named James who's going to go blow. <laughs> gummy Jim. Yeah, gummy, gummy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to the holodeck. <laughs> gummy Jim lost the rest of his teeth and he says he can do something extra special now. Computer, Gummy Jim, <laughs> safety protocols off. <laughs> <laughs> Just let him puke all over it. Gonna choke him to death with it. <laughs> All right. Um, so Riker orders the ship to the Chlorian system at warp five, and the Forge wonders if Data is about to discover a long lost relative. I don't like the setup for this at all. Also, no mention of lore. No, <laughs> like it's like like that. That's the that's like the the only other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And like <laughs> lore gave them so much trouble last time. Yeah. And Picard's like. Ooh, maybe there's six lores. We can handle that. Like, no. No, you can't. Um, <laughs> so, Breaker uh, tries to tell Picard that it's his job to go down. Oh, sorry. Um, in orbit, six separate positronic signatures are detected. LaForge recommends that they not use the transporter as there is an ion storm nearby, and there's always a chance that it could come their way. Always a fucking ion storm. Mm-hmm. With that in mind, Picard tells Worf and Data to go with him. Riker tries to tell Picard that it's his job to go down and not Picard's, but uh, Picard invokes Captain's prerogative, especially as he's been wanting to try out the new Argo. <laughs> Plus the fact that Picard knows that Troy would never forgive him if anything should happen to Riker. Then why are they stopping at this planet? Yeah. <laughs> As he leaves the bridge, he jokingly tells Riker, you'll have the bridge, Mr. Troy, uh, causing snickers all over the bridge, (laughs) which is like, no one cares. Uh, The Argo flies out of the Enterprise's shuttle bay and lands on the surface of the planet. The away team takes the Argo's auxiliary all-terrain buggy out, and Picard has fun with driving at high speed around the local terrain. This sucks (laughs) so much. much. It I is, hate this scene. It is, it, is, it is like a scene from Top Gear. It's just an old British dude mm-hmm. driving a car 
And like, I don't care. I could not be any less invested in, in this scene. Worf looks very bored. He is. Like, he, well, like, he's like in the the gunner seat in the back, and he's just like sitting there. And he's like, "Fuck it." Yeah. Also, it's funny. Like, you know, I mean, I understand why. Um, you know, Data's wearing shades as well, but he doesn't really need to. He doesn't at all. He doesn't need to protect his eyes. No. Why? Why, <laughs> like, why is he wearing shades? It doesn't make any I mean, sense. To protect. Uh, to protect Brent Spiner. Yeah, but but, it, but this isn't Brent Spiner. Yeah, this is yeah, Data. But. But they are driving at high speeds and getting dust everywhere. And, mm-hmm. and does, yeah, it doesn't make sense why. Like, it, it is funny because they kind of just, the movies have given up on, like, depicting Picard as, like, as like this uh, book-loving intellectual. And no. He's just, like, this adrenaline junkie who wants to drive around in a fucking go-kart. <laughs> despite the fact that they, they they're, that they go to fucking like warp nine point five, <laughs> it's just like like what 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 thrills does this hold for this guy? Indeed, yeah, it's uh it's pretty ridiculous. Um, and you know this is just a continuation of Action Picard. There's a lot of Action Picard in this film. It's not mm-hmm. you know it's not so gratuitous as Insurrection or First Contact, but there's still a good bit of like Picard with a gun. There's no good space lawyer scene though. There isn't, which is weird because Picard has so much dialogue in this film, especially with Shinzon. Yes. Like half of the film is literally just Picard and Shinzon talking at each other. And so he should, he should have like good space lawyer scenes, but literally like the only arguments he makes pretty much are like, I wouldn't do that. Picard's a good man. Yeah. I'm a good person. I'm not capable of doing that. That's, that's all he says. That's why this sort of scenario would have been better as an episode. Yeah. Because then, you know, like. Like uh, Picard arguing with his dark shadow self mm-hmm. would have been awesome. Yeah, like, would have. Like him. And they would have, they would have and, just used Patrick Stewart, talking at Patrick Stewart, yeah. which would have been awesome. And just like, or, or it could have used a young Picard, but him talking ethics, you know, with like this young, brash version of himself mm-hmm. and just like, um, just having like a whole ethics ethics showdown you know mm. debate ethics showdown. <laughs> it would have been would have been awesome it would have been it would have been like one of the best picard scenes in the world honestly straight up like a picard like courtroom drama like episode dragged into a full movie would fuck so hard yeah but you know that's not what people want to see in uh you know christmas time you know i do <laughs> yeah. some of us do you know you have you have all the you have all your family members visiting, you know, you guys want to go to the movie theater, you know, you got to take Gram- space lawyer. You got to, I got to take Grammy and grandpa and then like all the dumb kids and you got, you know, like, Oh, well, here's like a thing. Here's a good, uh, uh, debate about ethics and morality, uh, and space. That sounds sick. <laughs> but and, you know, but, but then you gotta, like, what, what you think Graham, grandma and grandpa want to watch, uh, you, you know, Star Trek? Well, the new one, fucking this young clone with dick sucker lips fucking, <laughs> fucking talks at him for two hours about how the Federation sucks. And no, it would have had grandma gran- and grandpa would be like, what the fuck are you saying to me? It would have had grandpa sobbing because it would have, uh, he would have reminded him of uh, a guy he had sex with during World War II. That's true. <laughs> like, he's like, this just reminds me of the, of the British soldier I had sex with in the trenches. <laughs> we, I found him in the bushes and left him in the bushes. Not sure if he was alive when I found him but when I left him he sure wasn't I wrote him so many letters I don't know if he got any of them he was my one true love <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that that inspires him to leave his gra- leave his wife then <laughs> then have like 
What, <laughs> what story are you constructing in your head, Pat? I don't know. Just, just like showing what this movie would have done. It would have split up families during Christmas time. Yeah, what have, <laughs> what have you done, Stuart Baird? <laughs> what have you done? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, the team finds pieces of an android strewn throughout the area. And although the android is completely disassembled, its various pieces, including the head, which is identical to Data's, are still active. An arm reaches out and grabs Worf by the foot, startling him, and the head speaks to Data. However, just as the searchers locate the final piece, they come under attack from Calarian natives in vehicles of their own. So That look just like their dude buggy. Do. It's super weird. <laughs> that's, that's they so came convenient. to the same ATV conclusions <laughs> yeah. with their culture. Yeah, wow. Yeah, they're like, whoa, you guys love go-karts as well? That's the thing. That's what should have brought them together. They'd have been like, nice go-kart. Mm-hmm. That would have been a good that would have been a good resolution. Yeah, that's it's like it's their first contact. It's like <laughs> we are a pre-warp civilization. However, we like to shred the gnaw like you. <laughs> and that's the thing. They take no precautions. The fact that this is a pre-warp civilization. Yeah. They take zero precautions. It like sucks. like saving like preventing themselves even like we've seen uh, and fucking insurrection that they have technology like self clo- um, cloaking technology mm-hmm. to protect themselves from uh, what or from uh, pre warp civilizations. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they don't u- utilize any of that. No, no. <laughs> like they're just like they're just there, just like and 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 their go and their future go- fu- more advanced go kart mm-hmm. <laughs> with their ship just laying around. It's pretty cool. It's great. So, um. Picard drives the Argo back to the shuttle while Worf mans the buggy's aft phaser cannon, and they definitely kill a few of the natives. Data has the shuttle waiting behind a cliff. Picard jumps the buggy off the cliff and into the shuttle where it is secured, <laughs> which is just silly. Mm-hmm. Um, the shuttle lifts back off towards the Enterprise. Like, I mean, first off, the buggy should be able to, like, fly or something, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right, like, like, yeah, I, I, it's so weird to me that they've, that they take a fucking like a fucking like a, a, a thing like a shuttlecraft with shields and like mm-hmm. everything like that down to a plant and be like, no, let's take the car. Yeah. I mean, they could have easily just been flying that small, uh, you know, roundabout around mm-hmm. and to and pick those things up faster. Yeah. And been completely out of danger, out of harm's way. But, they, but <laughs> Yeah. But they, they needed a fucking Mad Max Fury Road scene here. Yeah. Um, that rocks, yeah. you know, but, and they want, yeah, you know, they needed to have like the, have, uh, have Picard do something fun and, and do something to wow the, wow the yeah, hogs. Do, do, do some action stuff, even though he's like probably like 70 at this point. Yeah. <laughs> nah, he's like in his sixties at this point. Mm-hmm. Still, Come on. Um, so back aboard the ship, Dr. Crusher looks at the newly discovered Android's head and decides that data has nicer eyes. Confused, Data points out that his eyes are identical to the other androids. I mean, it's weird, first off, that Dr. Crusher is examining him at all because... It should be Geordi. It should only be Geordi because she understands, you know, like, real, you know, medicine for people. <laughs> I mean, I think they probably needed something for her to do because she she pretty much just does this and then a DNA test. Yeah, she does, like, nothing in this <laughs> She movie. literally oh. does nothing in this movie. So LaForge's scans reveal that the android is likely a prototype of Data built by Dr. Soon. So it probably goes B4 and then Lore and then Data. Mm-hmm. Because Lore was also a prototype, uh, which is why he had 
emotional problems, especially after you tried the emotion chip. Um, so as the Android has become, uh, has the same physical makeup of data, but not nearly as much development in its neural pathways. Data asks the head, what is its name? And the head refers to himself as B4. Picard notes that Soong's penchant for whimsical names continues. <laughs> Data asks if B4 knows how he got to the planet or anything about his life prior to that. But B4 claims to know nothing. He asks why the tall man has a furry face. And Riker says, uh, I call it the womb broom. <laughs> um, call it the flavor saver. <laughs> and then and Troy is just like, she's just like uh, I need a towel or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Data asks if B4 knows him. And B4 tells Data, you are me. Which is the first kind of mirroring kind of motif that we mm. get in the in the film. So, Data corrects him and tells B four that his own name is Data, and that B four is his brother. It is becoming clear that the state of B 4s positronic drain results in him being simple. Yeah. You done simple. That boy's simple. They should have given him a mustache or something just to differentiate. Oh, that would have been so cool. <laughs> like he just has like this big like Dale Earnhardt Ooh. tile mustache. Yeah. <laughs> Or how about like when they give him a body, he just has like an unmanageably huge penis. And so he's always, always like trying to like, like handle his penis. Like he's like a fucking, like one of those jugglers using the bowling pins. He's like, Ugh. it's like wrapped around his waist a little, like in the, an elastic band. And you can see the out, you can see the outline just like go, go halfway around his waist. And it's just like hanging up there. He's constantly, <laughs> constantly tripping on it, like untied boots. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So in his ready room, uh, Picard, they call, they call him B4 because it's four feet long, she. <laughs> Dragging on the ground. It's picking up all kind of stuff like one of them sticky hands you get in a 25 cent machine. <laughs> He's just going around unconsciously playing with it and making everyone uncomfortable. Just <laughs> <laughs> leaking out pre-cum all over the bus floor. <laughs> People slipping on it when they're trying to get out. Cradling it like a baby. <laughs> just, just holding just, it. <laughs> swaddling it, Rep. That's the only way he can take it out in public. So he puts makeup on it and puts a baby mask on the head. <laughs> It's like a, it's in a, it's in a, um, uh, what are they called? The, uh, the pram. <laughs> <laughs> just like, he just, that's how he, he just has like little, he keeps it in a stroller. <laughs> yeah, a stroller. He keeps, he's just, it's in a stroller and just like the, it's like, but it's like waist high with him and, the, and just folds into the, it has a little, little cap and it's like, oh, let me look at the baby. <laughs> just this dick with a little hat on top of it. He's got like one of those front loader baby backpacks. It's just got the, <laughs> the head of his dick is like right next to his face and it's constantly just like spurting and farting at him. Or it's like on his back, like a, um, like one of those, um, cat, uh, uh, water packs that you, oh, like, camelback. Camel, yeah. It's like a camelback. And he's just like, no, no, okay. This one's over. This bit's over. <laughs> Canceled. I'm canceling uh, no, this bit no, now. No, we're, no dick camelbacks. We're, no we're, dick camelbacks. No, we're done with that one. In his ready room, Picard orders, uh, some tea Earl Grey hot from his replicator while reading a pad at his desk. Shortly thereafter, he receives a message from Starfleet Command, and when the signal comes through, he's pleased to see the recently returned Admiral Janeway on the screen. How the fuck 
is Janeway an admiral, and Picard is still a fucking captain. Because she took care of the Borg. Yeah, so did Picard <laughs> twice. <laughs> Literally twice. Yeah. Also, this kind of like has now has some sort of like is it kind of like conflict with the uh timeline and um and uh prodigy because like in prodigy she's a vice admiral and this and she's a they they only ever refer to vice admirals as admiral okay uh in there's very few times in star trek when they actually call someone vice admiral in prodigy they pretty much only refer to janeway as admiral janeway okay at least when speaking uh when referring to someone or speaking to them directly it's almost always that so she is vice admiral at this point then she should be yeah, I, I don't remember seeing her pips, but I believe she's ad, vice admiral in here, and she's—I don't think uh, in the series up to this point she's ever actual full fleet admiral, because mm. um, it goes uh, rear vice fleet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay, yeah. So she's either a rear admiral or a vice admiral. Here. Mm. She could be either because once again, rear admirals—they only ever really refer to them as admiral. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Same with like uh, junior lieutenants are only ever referred to as lieutenant, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, plus she killed Tuvix. That's probably why they promoted her. Oh god, her. that's so fucking odd. No, she's, no. <laughs> she's just like, they're like, wait, you killed Tuvix, and then that's and they're like, like, that's murder, <laughs> but the right kind of right murder. Kind of murder. <laughs> Guess what? There's an Admiral Janeway Day now. <laughs> um, she had a ticker tape parade. Yeah, <laughs> like there's a, they have the whole bunch of like Tuvix like um um pinatas they're just like smack, they're sm- <laughs> smashing in half and then the whole bunch of like blood <laughs> yeah, comes out. <laughs> it's, just, it's just full of fucking tuvix's internal organs yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, guess what those weren't actually pinatas we just cloned him a bunch of times yeah. fun fact people think that he was split perfectly not true these this is what was left over <laughs> Like that would have been awesome. It was just like it was like uh, Tuvok, Neelix, and then just like a pile of random organs, <laughs> just like a beard. Like, oh, yeah. I guess like I guess the merging created a whole bunch of new ones that really didn't right. go anywhere. As long as you can have sex with it. <laughs> uh, so Janeway surprises Picard by sending him on a diplomatic mission to Romulus. Okay, lady, we're on the way to a wedding. Please yeah. don't. We literally just made a stop we shouldn't have. Could you not? Could could you maybe send someone else to Romulus? I'm not the only captain in fucking Starfleet. They've got like 200 ships in Starfleet at this point. Send someone else. Yeah. yeah. The Dominion War is over. We have no standing threats. We're in peacetime. Mm-hmm. You need an ambassador? Maybe fucking take Worf. He's a good one. Yeah, you think they would have put in for some sort of like leave at this point if they knew they were going to a beta? You zoid. think so? <laughs> they're going. They're going to a second wedding. Yeah, and they have a timeline. They literally talk about the timeline they have here, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Oh, we'll be there on time" because like they invited other people. What a selfish prick, fucking Picard is to fucking. <laughs> that would have been funny if they at the end they get there and it turns out Luxwana died. <laughs> like, and like, oh my god, we were too busy fucking around with these fucking clones. <laughs> she, my mom died. Yeah, she did. She died of just the most aggressive space aids of all time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she, uh, yeah, she got a, a, a sexually transmitted disease from Odo. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, she got the she got Odo's uh the 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 uh the uh, changeling. Uh, yeah, the bug. Thing. Yeah, the bug. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because oh, she, she blew Odo in his sleep. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> she just pretty sure she went probably went swimming in him. Yeah, she's just. Can you imagine that? She was sleeping and she just puts her mouth against the bucket and just <laughs> <laughs> just swishes it around her mouth a bunch of, like mouthwash and spits them back out. Was that cum? Was that <laughs> snot? Who knows? <laughs> it was Odo. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> Tastes like something. I don't know. Any pineapple juice? I'll tell you that. Uh, so Janeway. Um, Janeway uh, surprises Picard by sending him on a diplomatic mission to Romulus. The recently installed Praetor, Shinzon, has requested a Federation envoy. As if that weren't surprising enough, Shinzon himself is Riemann, not Romulan, having ascended as a result of some kind of political shakeup. Janeway says that Starfleet is just as confused as Picard must be, but needs an experienced captain on the scene, and the Enterprise happens to be the closest ship to the Romulan border. Shut up! Up. <laughs> Janeway warns Picard to watch his back and be careful since instability in the Empire could have consequences for the entire quadrant. Another thing, this movie would have been better if it was a DS9 movie. Yes. Yeah. Actually, that was supposedly in the, that was going, if this movie had done well, the next movie was going to be a center around Titan and have members of DS9. That could have been sick as fuck. Like that would have been o- O'Brien so would have made so much sense. Yeah. Um. I don't know if anyone else. Uh, obviously, I mean, Worf could have made sense. But yeah, they could have. Maybe like they could have visited DS Nine and had all the crew there. Could have Ezri. Ezri would have made sense. Yeah, Ezri. That would have been tight. Yeah. Bashir. We love, we love a Noel. Yeah, we we could have had like a like a Bashir O'Brien buddy comedy type thing. Wink, wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> buddy. Domino. But buddy, B, yeah, but T, <laughs> yeah, making tea out of each other's butts. It's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Let me. Oh, they're just they're dipping they're, instead of instead of a tea bag, it's a ball sack. They're just dipping in, into a, into some hot water, then drinking. Oh, it. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> snowballing hot tea. <laughs> just uh, douche your ass with it. <laughs> Fart in my mouth. <laughs> Earl Grey thought. <laughs> Ooh, that's a shirt right there. Mm. Tea Earl Grey thought. Mm. T Earl Grey felt out of an ass. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a good shirt. That's, uh, that's a bad shirt. It's just like, it's just, it's like, a, it's like, like an ass just appears in the in the thing, and you just throw the straw in the asshole. Felt it out. <laughs> Tea, Earl Grey hot, so I can stick my dick in it. Because I like my dick to burn, baby. <laughs> that, that's I like, what, I like a little bit of sizzle on it. Yeah, just all that on a shirt. <laughs> Boil, I call it boiling the hot dog. <laughs> yeah, all this on a shirt. Just, I like the idea of like a t-shirt with just like too, too many words. Like wait. Too many words that don't really go with each other. Just a whole bunch of different random, random phrases. Yeah, that's, that's good, man. What gets you arrested? Hell yeah, and erect. <laughs> So Picard steps out onto the bridge and tells the helmsman, Lieutenant Branson, uh, named after Branson, Missouri, the Reno, mm. Nevada of uh, Missouri, <laughs> um, uh, Lieutenant Branson, to set course for Romulus, regretfully telling Riker, I'm afraid the Opal Sea will have to wait, number one. Fuck you. You're a shitty boss, man. <laughs> yeah, like, dude. like it's, I, it's, it's my fucking wedding guy. I put in, uh, I put uh, in time for this <laughs> years ago. If you'll notice, I have the PTO uh, for 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 this uh 
for this wedding. I put in uh, I put in my notice uh, last month, and so you should uh, uh, respect my Mister Rika. You're going to have to set aside that PTO and get PTSD. <laughs> so you're going to be fighting a weird man in the bows of this ship and come <laughs> ninety minutes. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna have to go down the laundry chute and fight him in the laundry room. <laughs> you're gonna be you're gonna be fighting a fucking vampire. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen Dracula three thousand? Basically that. <laughs> so you've got to you've got to get your dick hard to fight this fucking space vampire in a laundry chute. Damn it! <laughs> if yours can't get hard, you can use B fours. <laughs> it's always hard, as long as he's not using it like a camelback as he's doing right now. <laughs> it's got the same reach as a matlet. <laughs> um. So in the observation lounge, what do they tie a blade to the end of it? <laughs> and he's just, they, he's just they, they just stick one of those Klingon knives in the pee hole. <laughs> and all the, all the space vampires are there. Like said before, he's just like he's just like helicoptering around and just, like, just <laughs> using it like a flail or a ball yeah. and, a ball and chain, just like yeah. concussing dudes. He just does, a, does a spin and slices the guy's head off. <laughs> This is the worst idea ever. We should have written this movie. Well, guess what? When I write that script uh, that has the Family Guy holodeck scene, it's also going to have a uh, giant dick uh, swinging swinging it with a knife tied at the end. Patrick, the the only script you're having is the script that your psychologist (laughs) writes for you. (laughs) Your court-mandated one. They call them my com pills. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they make me peaceful, Pat. <laughs> they make me peaceful, Pat. They make me the the, the Pat that the police like. <laughs> they make me sleep thirteen hours a day. <laughs> My teeth are falling out. <laughs> so, in the observation lounge, Data briefs the crew on what little Federation uh, the Federation knows of Remus and the Remans. Uh, they like Riemann. That's all they know. Like yeah, Riemann I, buttholes. I like how they named their planets after Romulus and Remus. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah, yeah. You know those two uh, fucking guys who were raised by wolves in Earth lore and Terran lore? Yeah. And, 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 and they founded Rome. Yeah. You know those guys that yeah. founded Earth Rome? Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, we're, we, we, we don't like Vulcans and we're like old Vulcans. So let's just fucking take Earth history, right? Yeah. I mean, why not? That makes sense. So I kind of think like uh, it's probably maybe just like a close approximation of what their actual language is. I don't know. Hmm, maybe. Yeah. So the planet Remus is tidally locked, leaving one side permanently facing the Romulan sun and therefore uninhabitable. And the other side is in permanent dark, which is where the Remans live. Now this is like the coolest idea in the entire film. Mm-hmm. I like this idea a lot. There's a lot they can do with it. They did some interesting developmental stuff with the alien race on here, which I, I like. I yeah. like I like all that. But you know. Yeah, I don't I don't I always like it when they're like, Oh yeah, by the way, like you know the Romulans, there's also like these other people that were also just yeah. like in And honestly, of- like they should have used the Remans more in Star mm-hmm. Trek. I would be happy if they brought the Remans back. Because yeah, they're I- a cool thing that says a lot about stratification and class. Mm-hmm. And they could have used that in here and made like I mean, they, they could have made Shinzon a lot more relatable because mm-hmm. he, like, you know, he's like a human who grew up in a slave society mm-hmm. and he, like, retook power. And there's, like, a lot of agency in that and a lot of, like, good in that and a lot of, you know, they could have used that to be like, hey, yeah, so he is the villain, but there's good things about, you know, like, cyborged him yeah. and made him, like, 
totally relatable and given him maybe hero's death. Yeah. And I, and there was, and, and they gave like an opportunity to like, cause they retroactively say like, Oh, the Remans were sh- uh, Romulan, Romulan shock troops mm-hmm. during the dominion war. Yeah. And okay. Well, that would have been a cool uh, place to introduce them. That so they're not really cool. So it's not like they're totally like <laughs> totally, surpri- totally surprised in this, mm-hmm. but cause it is weird because it's like, we don't know too much about the Remans. Like, there didn't seem to be any female Remans <laughs> I saw. That we know of. That we I mean, know they, of. They I were mean, like entirely on a warship, though. So, yeah. I don't know. But it's like, but like, you know, it would have been <clears throat> interesting because they all just looked exactly, they just all looked like weird ghouls. Maybe that's why Shinzon's gay is he doesn't know about women. <laughs> well, he is surprised, you know, he, he pretty much <coughs> blows his top when he sees uh, Deanna. He's just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can, can I touch your hair? <laughs> um, so, As you see, I don't have any of my own. <laughs> I've never had any, even down there. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard some people like what you call a big bush. <laughs> uh, I've watched a lot of your old Earth pornography. I don't understand what this, what the purpose of this hair is. Is it, is it for keeping extra semen? I don't. I didn't see myself represented until I looked through your, through your, through your National Geographic and saw a naked mole rat. <laughs> and that's what I, that's what my genitals look like. I I didn't feel myself represented until I saw one of your Earth artists. He calls himself this Johnny Sins. <laughs> <laughs> so how many jobs did he have? <laughs> that man did everything. He's a, a plumber, a ship's captain. <laughs> he was a soldier, a police officer. <laughs> my God, what can't he do? <laughs> Oh, while carrying that massive rod <laughs> in his, between his legs. A <laughs> um, uh, true Johnny of all trades. <laughs> um, so, uh, virtually nothing is known of life off the planet, uh, Riemann, except Starfleet Intelligence has conducted long-range scans that indicate the presence of dilithium mining and heavy weapons construction. I like how they can fucking, like pull out six positronic signatures from like, you know, light years away, mm-hmm. but like they know nothing about this heavily <laughs> fucking like populated planet. That's pretty cool. Huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So <laughs> as for the Riemann, well, I chalk it up to just Romulan secrecy. I guess so. But like, that's the thing, like fucking, they have such good scanners. They can scan basically anything that's not cloaked. Yeah. Right. That also brings up like, you know, when the, we meet Shinzon, and just like, you know, he has a scanner and they can't tell. Right. right. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get, get to that. that. Um, so <laughs> as for the Remus themselves, Data notes that they are in the hierarchy of the Empire, second class citizens. But Riker notes that they also have a reputation as being formidable warriors. During the Dominion War, Riemann troops were used as ground assault troops um, in the most violent encounters, pretty much like Jim Hadar. Mm hmm. The uh, Forge wonders how a Riemann could have become Praetor, and Riker theorizes that the Remans must have orchestrated a coup d'etat with the support of the Romulan military. Mm. Picard asks what is known about Shinzon himself. Data reports that Starfleet has nothing except a portion of his military record, from which it can be inferred that he is relatively young, but a very capable commander having fought 12 successful engagements in the war. Yeah, and fucking Picard couldn't even fight um, Troy and Riker's engagement. Hey, what's up? Hey, (laughs) got him, got him, everybody. Uh, Picard remarks that the Enterprise is truly sailing into the unknown, 
and asks everyone to keep up their research, which isn't isn't true because like I mean, uh, a fucking at some point before another Starfleet ship like went into Romulan territory and like went to Romulus, so mm-hmm. they're they're the second ship to go to Romulus, yeah. the Federation. So. On the way to Romulus, Data, with LaForge's help, downloads a copy of his memory into B4. Data is hopeful that with his memories and information, that B4 will be more successful in becoming a productive member of society, because that's what's important, (laughs) especially for a robot that was found on another planet. He needs to (laughs) fit into capitalism somehow and become productive, produce. And really, they do, they do like zero, like, like safe, any sort of like safety protocols, like making, like making sure B4 is like legit <laughs> like they it's don't. super weird because like <laughs> yeah it, it's it's very weird first first and foremost that they even found before like yeah they're they're just like oh okay we found another we found another suing android okay cool yeah, like they that was so shoehorned into the film that whole scene that whole sequence of them getting before like it, it brings up the question what now, I I mean I think it is because like you know just in case like you know uh if if Brent Spiner wanted to return before was his ch- was his chance lore yeah lore I mean and and what they <clears throat> actually did with him is uh, fucking Eric Soong in Enterprise yeah he has unlimited chances he's played he'd at this point already played I think five or six different characters mm-hmm. they could have chosen any of them yeah like they didn't need before no and also like the <laughs> fact that he could have also been an alien. Or something yeah. like they could have had if Brent Spiner wanted to return, he could have played a whole other character that's not a fucking Soong. Yeah, like that you know fucking Jeffrey Combs has proven that. <laughs> like you could, but, J- but J- here's 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 the problem, and here's the thing: is uh, Jeffrey Combs is an actor with uh, what they call range. <laughs> yeah, like like if if you if you look at fucking Brent Spiner's range, yeah, it it goes from dumb data to serious data to silly data. I don't know, Fistful of Datas, he was playing all sorts of Datas. Exactly. <laughs> uh, he, he played the three that I just mentioned. <laughs> uh, he played, uh, he played uh, the um, the uh, the saucy prostitute. And that's silly data. That's silly, okay. That's a version of silly data, yep. All right, all right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> one of those three, guy. <laughs> I've done the research. <laughs> yeah, and, and then, of course, then he can just play a variety of Soongs, like a good Soong or an evil Soong. Soon, 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 soon. I want you in my soon. Um, but yeah, like as yeah, I mean, and plus the fact that they don't do anything with B four, like in mm-hmm. Picard, don't do shit with him. <laughs> like you know, he's completely unnecessary. Yeah. Soon rockets in flight. <laughs> Afternoony in delight. To Data's disappointment. The results of the memory download do not appear to be successful, but LaForge notes that B4 is assimilating a lot of information, and it could take some time for his matrix to adapt. Mm. Um, Data examines the lack, uh, sorry, the back of B4's head while LaForge is talking and discovers an unknown port on the side of his neck. <laughs> that would have been nice to to, uh, to see that before you connected your fucking brain to this thing. Yeah, right? It's like, <laughs> oh, shit, he's got features I didn't realize. I, maybe I shouldn't have... Uh, uh, there's a bomb? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, 
terrorist protocols activated. It'd have been funny if they like, ah, oh, what's this other port down here? It's just like a fleshlight. <laughs> like he just has like a he just has a vagina on the back of his neck. <laughs> Turns out B four is just a fuck doll. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like like and Soong was just like laying around like, damn, what if people had vaginas on the back of their neck? <laughs> I call this the neck pussy. <laughs> neck pussy. And he's just like, he just, he just, just spent his days fucking it until he just abandoned it on some random planet. Uh, LaForge thinks it, uh, they didn't call it. That's a chastity cage. See? Uh, LaForge thinks it may be a redundant memory port, believing it could possibly be provisional memory storage in case B4's neural pathways overload. LaForge decides, uh, to keep B4 with him in order to see if there's more he can do with him. <laughs> we want to see what that neck pussy do. <laughs> Hell yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that's a, that's a thussy, right? It's a throat. Well, I mean, mm. it could be in the throat. Who knows? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's literally getting throat fucked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cap- so next we get a captain's log. Captain's log, stardate uh, 56844.9. The Enterprise has arrived at Romulus and is waiting at the designated coordinates. All our hails have gone unanswered. We've been waiting for 17 hours. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this shot actually looks really good, even though a lot of the effects in the movie are pretty underwhelming. Yeah, they are. Yeah. This effect, this, a lot of the space scenes look very good. Mm-hmm. Some of them look bad, but a lot of the space scenes look really good. So on the bridge, um, the crew continues to wait. And like with the last film, uh, Insurrection was, I think, the first Star Trek film where all of the effects were CGI. Once again, all of these effects are CGI, basically. Mm. Uh, there's there's a few practical effects, like uh, Shinzon's aging and stuff like that, but not. Oh, so they didn't have any, um, they didn't have any, uh, any prop ships? Uh, no. No, they didn't. Mm. So so all of the, the space stuff was all CGI that stuff. That sucks. Yeah, they didn't have any models, really, I don't think. Fuck that. Yeah, and I mean, you can tell in several places where stuff is like, some of the ships look good and like they could be models and stuff, but there's some stuff like um, like the 911 scene. Yeah, like like the, that kind of look. I almost looked like like could have been models, but maybe not. So there's like yeah, the the 911 scene's okay, but then like uh, when they're driving the ship inside the ship, that yeah. one is like bad. <laughs> it's very bad. Um, so on the bridge, the crew continues to wake. Wait, sorry, wake. Uh, Picard asks Troy for impressions. Yeah, they're woke all right. Hell yeah, they are. They're fucking Star Trek's way too woke for me. Uh, Picard asks Troy for impressions. Did I tell you about that? What? My uh, I, my brother went to go visit my um, uh, my parents. Mm-hmm. And oh my, yeah, you did. Your dad. <laughs> yeah, my dad was just like, they can't make Star Trek today because it's not woke enough. They make tons of Star Trek today. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what he's talking about. Well, all he does is watch online news articles. Uh, um, websites and stuff like that. So I don't cool. think he even knows it's on TV. Neat. So Worf recommend. Uh, sorry. Um, so Picard asked Troy for impressions, and uh, she starts uh, doing Al Pacino. <laughs> Not very good at it. Uh, so now uh, she asks for uh, Troy's impressions, and she reports they're out there, Captain. Worf recommends raising shields, but Picard refuses. <clears throat> Riker comments that, with all due respect to diplomatic protocol. The Federation Council isn't sitting out here. We are. Mm. Picard reminds Riker that, quote, diplomacy is an exacting occupation, unquote, and that they will continue to wait. On the view screen, a massive warship decloaks in front of them, easily twice the size of the Enterprise. Worf automatically begins to raise shields, but Picard is like, no, 
uh, and tells him to stop and calls for a tactical analysis instead. Worf scans the ship opposite them and reports grimly that the vessel is loaded with tons of weapons. They got 52 disruptor banks and 27 torpedo bays a, and primary and secondary shield generators. Picard grimly sums up the vessel saying, she's a predator. Uh, it'd be cool if this was actually a tie into the Predator franchise. Or to catch a Predator. <laughs> <laughs> Have a seat, Shinzon. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, well, Shinzon, I guess, supposedly, is, is he supposed to be like 15 years old? Uh, I think he's supposed to be like in his 20s. Because they mentioned like how, you know, like Picard has only been like, what, a captain 15 years or something? Probably more. No, I don't think so. Maybe more. I'm not sure. Um, but I mean, one of the things about the plot line is there's the point where Shinzon is supposed to like just age 30 years automatically, but mm-hmm. he doesn't. Yeah. And so he's beyond 15. He's like in his twenties, I think, but that, mm. that thing didn't ever like trigger. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> so they are hailed by the warship. A Riemann holding a scepter appears on screen and identifies their ship is the Riemann Warbird Scimitar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is, once again, an Earth thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, like fucking Klingons have a name for their sword. Why can't the Romulans have a name for their fucking sword? Come on. Yeah. Picard, and he's the Viceroy. Mm-hmm. So another another um, uh, English. Indeed. <laughs> so Picard, thinking this is Shinzon, begins to address him, but the Riemann tells him he is not, in fact, Shinzon, but rather his Viceroy. He relays transport coordinates to the Enterprise and promptly cuts off the transmission. The senior staff head for the transporter room. The away team beams over to the scimitar and find themselves in a darkened room. A man hidden from view up a flight of stairs asks for their forgiveness for receiving them in such a darkened room, saying that the Remans are uncomfortable in light. And he's just like standing out of the way and it's like echoing. And he's like, the Remans are uncomfortable in light. light, light." (laughs) Uh, The man, Shinzon, finally walks into view, although his face is still hidden by the darkness. But he is obviously wearing the sickest fucking coat of all time. And I gotta say, the costuming in this movie fucks. Yeah. The dress uniforms, the wedding, fuck. Mm -hmm. The fucking, I mean, their uniforms, they have the full gray ones here with, like, the colored uh, Mm -hmm. undershirts. They fuck. Like, great costuming in this movie. Yeah, the Remans, like, yeah, they sort of have, like, that, like, a weird black holographic type yeah, like it's sort of like uh, reflective metal type thing. It's very, it's it's kind of cyber gothish. Yeah, it's pretty sick. It's pretty fucking sick. Yeah, right? like you you know like you know like uh, early two thousand goth. We're like watching like fuck you. Yeah. Hell yeah! Like the, <laughs> the, the the costumes in this would not be out of place in uh, the movie Queen of the Damned. No, no, not at all. I would just be surprised. Be surprised if they uh, they try to recoup some money and just like sell them all the. No, oh, yeah, or, or, or the, Dracula three thousand. Yeah, yeah, just sell them the goth goth gear. Oh he tells, hell yeah, dude! Yeah, fucking <laughs> just split my chair in half. He tells Picard that he imagined uh, him to be taller, and that Data may scan him without trying to hide the tricorder that he's holding. Uh, yeah, but, which you think they would be like, Captain? It's showing. You because mm. like they can tell like like uh yeah. like uh their their uh genetic their information genetic yeah. information <clears throat> like they don't need to fucking like have a DNA test like they're like they can read like their uh their fucking um mm-hmm. 
uh, signatures and shit. Like, it should have come up as Picard. Mm -hmm. So Picard tells Shinzon he is not what he imagined him to be. And Worf correctly identifies him as being human. Shinzon takes notice of Troy while Picard asks why they were summoned there. Shinzon says he's never met a human woman before, <laughs> but tells, uh, Troy tells Shinzon she's only half human. Shinzon recites statistics about Troy and how she's from Beta Z and the ship's counselor. All of this Shinzon knew, but he states he did not know she was so beautiful, which is creepy. Yeah. Uh, Riker, although it is, you know, Tom Hardy and he's gay. So like <laughs> if, if a pretty gay man tells you that it's like, cool, right? Uh, Riker, obviously concerned about the remark Shinzon is making about his wife, comments that he seems to know a lot about their personnel. Shinzon tells Riker he does indeed. He asks Troy if he can touch her hair, but Picard steps in and tells Shinzon that they came on what uh, was made to sound like an important mission, and if Shinzon has any real business to do with them, he should get on with it. Shinzon apologizes and says there is much to discuss. He proposes unity, tearing down the neutral zone, and establishing peace. Shinzon tells Picard that he's likely thinking this is too good to be true, but that a chance for peace cannot be ignored. Uh, he asks Picard if he's correct, and Picard confirms it. And Shinzon says it's time to illuminate our conversation and raises the light level in the room, which is just like the dumbest fucking... Mm -hmm the dumbest thing you could possibly say. Also, I do like how he's just like welcoming them on a staircase and like this whole conversation is just taking place on, on a staircase yeah, it's, in a it's, foyer. It's really, yeah, it's, it's really weird. It's like a big staircase. At the same time, it's like a staircase ballroom. Yeah. It's like the whole room is just a giant staircase with a doorway at either end. It's yeah. like, what? Yeah, because usually, uh, you know, we've seen like diplomatic missions on, on other TNG episodes. They're mm -hmm. always meeting in some sort of room, conference room or something like that. And they're mm -hmm. all taking seats. And like this, they're all just standing awkwardly and watching this guy just be incredibly dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> like going up and down the stairs and <laughs> yeah. they're like, uh, I'll reveal who I am now. I have a high ground, Anakin. <laughs> um, it's, it's all, it's all very theatrical and stupid. <laughs> yes. I mean, it, it cannot be stressed enough here. How, how, how big of a theater gay Tom Hardy is in this role. Yeah. Because Tom Hardy is so gay, and so <laughs> dramatic in this role. Yeah. And it's pretty good. He's he, he plays it well. I like Shinzon as a villain. It's just like everything else about the film sucks. And it also focuses way too much on Shinzon. Yeah. And it's funny, like uh uh I didn't realize that was Tom Hardy, because you know, I didn't when I first saw it, I had no idea who Tom no, Hardy no was. No, no one did. And like and then like I saw the movie Bronson. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that? It's so good. I love Bronson. <laughs> like, to he's totally unrecognizable because yeah. he's like he gained like a hundred pounds of muscle no he's fucking huge he's huge and then yeah. I, I was just like damn that guy did a great job in this who is he and I was like same shins fucking, on same fucking person <laughs> I, yeah. was just, I was blown away because yeah uh, uh. It, he does it, it's a uh, yeah he does do a good role in this and it's like uh, yeah I mean Tom Hardy is a solidly fucking good act yeah he rocks like he's he's pretty much good in everything he's in unfortunately this is one of his worst films of no fault of his own like, no and it, it drove him to drink yep and contemplate suicide it's honestly star trek <laughs> picard season two same thing for me <laughs> i'm right up there with you tom hardy mm -hmm. yeah so um uh he uh says time to illuminate our conversation and raises the light level in the room, which mm -hmm. is the dumbest joke of all time. And this causes <laughs> yeah. the Viceroy to step back into the shadows. 
No one but Picard recognizes who Shinzon appears to be. Shinzon looks just as Picard did in his early 20s. Shinzon tells Picard of a rare genetic disease that was some aversion to sound. Picard knows of this because he, too, used to have it. He says after he was treated, he, uh, Shinzon says after he was treated for the disease, he can hear as well as Picard can. And he can see as well as Picard can and feel what Picard can. He's this, laying it on pretty fucking I know, it's just like, if it's not totally obvious yet, I am you. Yeah, um, and then he actually <laughs> says, we are the same flesh, the same blood, the same person. And then Shinzon tells Picard uh, to come tomorrow to Romulus and the two of them, or rather, the one of them will have dinner and speak more about the future. And he's like, and perhaps, Picard, you can suck my, or rather, we can suck our dick. You notice I, I'm genetically enhanced. They gave me full di- dick-sucking lips that you <laughs> did not have in your youth. So you see, I am superior. <laughs> you see, I am the bottom version of you, Picard. <laughs> Whereas you were made a top-leaning switch, I am a bratty bottom. <laughs> And I want you to do what you want to me, daddy. <laughs> um, you know what would have been good uh, in this, in this, uh, that probably would have like mm-hmm. been a good storyline for this is the two know, of them fuck. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. To have them fuck. But, uh, but, uh, <laughs> well, no, but I'm, I'm saying like more of a like father son type thing. Like, because you know, Picard. After what are you doing, Step Captain? <laughs> Step me? <laughs> but like, uh, what am I doing? <laughs> but um, but you know, like Picard, you know, in his in his old age, realizes you know he's the last of the Picards. Yeah, and 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 uh, since his his brother and his son died, like, there's not going to be any more Picards. He's the last of his of his family lineage. Mm-hmm. And then, like, he could have been seeing um, Shinzon as his son and and possibly continuing his works. So I don't know. I like that. Dead. Yeah, yeah. And, but they don't do anything with that. No. And that would have been, that would have been compelling. Yeah, that yeah. Like, like, basically Picard trying to turn Shinzon and being like, there's good within him. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, like, and that would have led to, you know, um, Picard's sacrifice and to redeem Shinzon or something. Yeah. That would, that would have been... That would have been good. Uh-huh. But that that that's the movie I was kind of making in my mind, but we don't Picard just kind of oh, like constantly just regards him with just like unease mm-hmm. and just like just like hates him. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, he does hate him. and so it's just like it would have been it would have been cooler to have like the conflict of oh like this man is my my own this man's like my son. Yeah, and and, and the thing too is like there's a weird like hint of like classicism to it too because because mm-hmm. picard he should realize like hey this is me mm-hmm. this is a clone of me who grew up without privilege who yeah. grew up as a slave and like and so like this is how i would have turned out if i was not nearly as privileged as i was mm-hmm. and so there's so much to say there but instead of actually saying anything about it they're like oh yeah growing up poor makes you evil yeah that's that's literally what they're saying with mm-hmm. it which is like nah. yeah cuz they do growing co- up in adversity makes you a bad person <laughs> they do do have like a conversation yeah about n- nature versus nurture and stuff and like mm-hmm. you kind of see that with like data and before like data that's nature cuz like that's how before it was constructed like he can never 
rise to the level that data is because of like mm-hmm. the restrictions that are within his own programming and construction. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, you know, you have, then you have like, uh, Shinzon who is exactly like physically like Picard in every single way, mm-hmm. but he was, but he's except for- I, <laughs> I'm uncircumcised because <laughs> I was I'm uncircumcised <laughs> and I was raised in child minds. <laughs> and so and so that's definitely So I've got a bigger, stinkier dick than you. <laughs> <laughs> they were injecting all that shit in my dick. But like uh I was in the blue chew minds. <laughs> like, I was raised on a steady diet of blue chew. <laughs> Increased the size of my dick tenfold. Now I use it as a camelback. <laughs> I was born into the bone of pillars. You did not see them. That's, into- a, that's another thing that it, there's a lot of like, it's, it's almost like, uh, like Tom Hardy was like redeeming his, his shins on character with Bane because they're pretty much the same kind of character. They kind of are. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. They actually, you are. merely adopted the darkness. I was born into it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's kind of like how shins on you is. merely adopted by sexuality. Picard. <laughs> I've been wanting to suck dick since as long as I can remember. I was born with these DSLs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we love that. Prepare to have your shit sucked out, <laughs> Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Professor X, I'm going to suck the disability right out of that dick. Gonna, I'm going to make you walk again. I'll suck so hard. <laughs> You're gonna, I'm going to have you screaming for the Lord. Ah. <laughs> but yeah. <it's> just... <laughs> anyway, in Sick Bay, Beverly Crusher examines the blood. Oh, sorry. Um. So now Shinzon pulls out a knife and cuts his hand in the way that I hate in movies when they cut their palm. And I'm like, you can literally just prick your fucking finger or they could, I don't know, take a sample. Yeah. Have you ever cut yourself on your palm? The doctor's like right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and so she could like, you know, like fucking put a thing against his neck or something. Mm-hmm. But instead he's like, no, I'm going to do the, I'm going to fucking injure myself in the dumbest way possible. Yeah. Palm cuts. I got sliced on the palm once mm-hmm. and that shit. Takes forever to heal because it hurts your, so much. Your, you palm, use, your palm is constantly moving. And you can't stop jerking off. <laughs> you can't stop like, jerking off. The blood, it's like making its own gravy, man. It's, <laughs> it's like its own lube, dude. Like, you know, come on. But it took so long for that thing to fucking heal because I kept reopening the wound. So it's just like. You jerk off with your other hand, Pat. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know that at the time. Yeah, I, I, I just didn't make sense. I was like, I didn't know I had two hands, okay? I, <laughs> Um, <laughs> that would have been good to have like a scene later where Shinzon's just like in, in, his, in his private room and the Viceroy is like we must talk about our next plan and he's like shut up damn it fuck <laughs> it hurts <laughs> it hurts ow ouch, god damn it ouch, ouch, ouchie <laughs> and Viceroy you're not really helping <laughs> you fucking vampire looking ass <laughs> you got a, you got a mouth and you're not using it to do anything <laughs> but talk you dumbass he does that like the the the, the, the Remans do have like big pouty mouths as well <laughs> they they, they, they <laughs> They got big old pussy mouths. Yeah, their mouths are. I wonder if it's because they have like those weird fucking fangs in or something. But all their mouths are constantly just like open, just yeah, like Shinzon. You think you have DSLs? <laughs> we have DCLs, dick consuming lips. <laughs> they look like uh, the fluke from the X Files. Mm. Like it's the weird thing that like the the weird little monster that travels in the sewers. Mm, uh, the only fluke I remember was the movie by the Golden Retriever. <laughs> Um, so 
Shinzon bids them farewell, gives him the knife, and returns the light back to the previous levels, and he and the Viceroy leave the room, and the away team beams back up to the Enterprise. <laughs> okay, great. Over in sickbay, uh, Crusher examines the bloodstain in the computer and tells Picard that right down to his aggressive strain of Shalaf syndrome, the, the weird noise thing, mm-hmm. uh, Shinzon is an exact clone of Picard. Yeah. It's funny that Picard has so many weird afflictions. Yeah. Like he has so many rare diseases. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's French, you know. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, so she notes that they probably cloned him from a hair follicle or are a skin cell of Picard's at one point. Riker wonders why the Romulans would clone Picard, and Picard tells Riker that he intends to find out. <laughs> so on Romulus, Suron is growing impatient with Shinzon, telling him that the only uh, they only supported him because Shinzon said it was time for an attack on the Federation. But now Shinzon is delaying, and he wonders what purpose bringing the Enterprise here serves. Shinzon tells Suron uh, he doesn't have to understand Shinzon's purpose and that he should really learn patience. Something that spending 18 hours a day being harassed by a Romulan guard will teach a man. Mm. Shinzon sends them away, but asks Commander Donatra to remain a moment. Shinzon tells Donatra to consider the word allegiance and that he demands that from people who serve him. Very Donald Trump of him. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that Donatra serves him, and he believes she does so faithfully, but not so with Suron. Donatra asks Shinzon to consider the word trust and asks him if he trusts her and to what extent. She asks him what she should do to prove herself faithful as an officer and as a woman. Wow. Uh oh, he's like, I don't swing that way. <laughs> Shinzon, however, tells her that she's not a woman, but merely a Romulan. What? He tells her to watch Commander Suron, and if he shows any sign of disloyalty, that he is to be eliminated. Then she will have proven herself. On her way out, Shinzon tells Dinatra that if she ever touches him again, he will kill her. <laughs> pretty cool because she just like touches arm yeah she's oh yeah she kind of tries to seduce him and he's just like oh hell no yeah he's like i don't no no i don't <laughs> i don't want that pushy you got i mean first off i don't fuck a wrong like, it is weird though like yeah it shows that he has like this instant sexual uh, attraction to deanna mm-hmm. but he's been raised his entire life with remans like why wouldn't he wouldn't he be sexually attracted to remans um he's a gay man he's <laughs> yeah. just like oh I want to look like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Look at that. Yeah. He's just, he just, he actually I don't just... even have hair. Can I even replicate a wig like that? Oh my God. He just wanted fashion tips from her. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's this purple thing that you have? Is it, it's a jumpsuit. Oh my God. That would have been a great scene. You know, those weird head uh, hair things that she wore during like the first few seasons. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like he's like next scene, like he's wearing one of those. On his <laughs> um, so she leaves the Senate Hall as Shinzon doubles over immediately after, and the vo- Viceroy comes up to him and touches his chest, which appears to calm him. Mm-hmm. Donatro, meanwhile, watches the entire incident from outside the gated door. Now we go over to Data's quarters, and B4 seems to receive a signal. Uh, he stops petting Spot, which uh, honest, uh, uh, really cool appearance from Spot here. We yeah. love to see a cat in all Star Trek. Yeah, it's, it's, it's- his first appearance since Generations, right? 
Yes, correct. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. As a, he wasn't at the end of first con. Yeah, he was only at the in the wreckage at the end of. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what was happening to Spot during the Borg invasion. That's a great. Question. <laughs> He's just like ah. He's yeah, hiding. The, the Borg see the cat and they're like. <laughs> Uh, what the fuck do we do with that? <laughs> yeah, you think like yeah, you don't see any Borg animals. That's because they're it's not worth it to them to get a non warp, you know, civilization or anything. I don't know. Like you like they learn how to lick their own buttholes. It's just like they, they got one dog and like <laughs> all the other Borg like humanoids like learn how to lick their assholes mm-hmm. to clean them. Eat poop. Yeah, it's just, like, oh my God, we could recycle our own our own waste. We have assimilated beyond toilet paper <laughs> and bidets. Now all of our waste is licked clean. <laughs> we eat it off the floor. <laughs> We, we all, all four is like chowing down on the turd. All, we all fight for a chance to lick the Borg Queen's asshole clean. <laughs> the Borg Queen's like, what are you doing there? And the the, the, the Borg looks and sees her, sees her coming while he's eating the turd and starts eating it faster to keep her from taking it. <laughs> it's mine. Get that out of your mouth. Get that out of your mouth. <laughs> Bad boy. <laughs> it's like scurries away. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be great if all the Borg were basically like dogs and the yeah. Borg Queen was like the only humanoid type yeah. Borg. Just being super frustrated all the time. Um, <clears throat> so in Data's quarters, B4 seems to receive a signal. He stops petting Spot and walks over to the computer and begins working it with the apparent skill and ability of Data. Mm. The next day in the Senate Hall, Shinson tells Picard he was created from a sample of Picard's DNA. And that at the right time, he would replace Picard and be a Romulan spy at the heart of Starfleet. And I think this is a cool plot that they should have pursued more. Yeah. Um, when Picard asks what happened, Shinzon explains that the plan was abandoned some time ago when a new government came to power and they deemed the idea too risky, fearing it would incite a war with the Federation if he were discovered. So why not kill him? That's a great question. <laughs> and it's, it's like, it's like, Hey, let's keep like the, this one human that we like genetically engineered. Let's just keep him around. Yeah. Why not? And, and, it, and yeah, a guy who is like one of the most successful, he has the brain of the, one of the most successful captains and in, in Starfleet mm-hmm. and yeah, just keep him around. You know, he's not, he's not, you know, uh, he's not, a uh, not, a uh, not wily and, mm. <laughs> and, and stuff like that. But it is, and it is funny. Like that, that, the premise of this film is very interesting. Like a, a defect, a, a thrown away clone mm-hmm. that was going to be used to be a spy. Yeah. Rises to the highest ranks of an alien, so, of an alien civilization. So this film potentially has like the coolest plot. Yeah. It has the coolest bones of a plot, mm-hmm. except they don't use any of the cool bones. Instead. They're no. like, <laughs> so, so here's a really cool plot, but we're only going to tell you about it. Instead. We're going with this dog shit plot. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, and it has like things that happen, you know, it mm-hmm. has like, a wedding, death of a of a of a major character, clones, 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 and, clones, clones, and it's just like somehow fucks it up. I know it's <laughs> like, like <laughs> this. So this film probably has all of the coolest elements you can possibly put in a Star Trek film. Yes, it's the the fact that they fumble every single one of them except for like the wedding scene, basically. Yeah. Like everything else is, in my opinion, a well, huge they fumble. do they do fumble the wedding <clears throat> scene because we don't get the full nude wedding. That's very true. So I mean, I'm, I'm I'm counting that as a fumble as well. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll count it. I'll count it. That's that's true. Um, 
So, uh, Shinzon explains that his face isn't exactly as Picard's uh, was because of how he's endured a lifetime of violence with the Romulans breaking his nose and his jaw. But the only thing that's like different is like he's got a little like cut on his lip. Yeah. And, and of course his DSLs. Oh yeah. He's got these beautiful DSLs, which you figure like they'd be all brittle and stuff, but they were like, they're very moist. No. Yes. Uh, whip the boy, but don't touch the lips. <laughs> the lips are sacred. <laughs> <laughs> those, those little pillowy things. But yeah, like, uh, <laughs> let's keep those. But, uh, yeah, um, it is interesting because he, they do look very similar in profile with, to each other mm-hmm. because I think at you know towards the end they do look very they like they have the same exact nose. Yeah, like Tom Hardy was a great choice as a young Picard for mm-hmm. casting. I'd do, say like someone. Do you see who they were going to get? Who's that? Jude Law. No. Yeah, I would. I like Jude Law. I like I, Jude Law, but I don't. I think, think he probably has like a similar depos- disposition to um, to. Uh, jo- Patrick Stewart kind of, you know, kind yeah. of like the kind of like regal British person. But yeah. like God, you know who would be really good? Who was it? It wasn't no was it Alex Garsgård? No. Uh the guy who played the young Professor X in like uh Oh, uh, James James McCovey. Yeah, James McAvoy. Yeah, he yeah, he would have been great. Uh, he's a oh, great yeah. actor and he plays an awesome young Patrick Stewart. Awesome. He does. He yeah, and I think good. he was and he was active during this time, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was yeah. during his younger years, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, still pretty good casting. I, I think Tom Hardy was a good choice. They just fumbled every aspect of his character. Yeah, and they yeah kind of just fucked his career up for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So Shinzon says a man's eyes reflect the life he's led, and says Picard's eyes are so confident. Um, Shinzon confesses he hoped to grow to the height of two meters, a feeling that Picard also shared. Uh, you know That's why I was thinking that he's like 15, supposed to be 15 because he's like talking about still growing. I'm like, okay, are you, are you a, a teenager or are you supposed to be like an adult? Because like adult. at this point, like you've are, you've stopped growing yeah, already. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, he says he wished to have, mm. or so he hoped to. So it, it's in the past, I guess. So mm. Picard asks how Shinzon ended up on Remus and Shinzon tells Picard that he was sent to the Riemann mines to die. <laughs> they didn't think a human would last very long there. Shinzon recalled not seeing the stars again for almost 10 years after he arrived, and also how the only thing the Romulan guards hated more than the Riemanns was him. So yeah, once again, literally Bane's storyline, right? Yeah, and it kind of also brings the question, like, how did he receive, like, this education where he's so crafty and, and, um, and scientific? I went to mine college. <laughs> I went to mine college. Yeah, because yeah, was there just like was there like a uh, um, vocational school or some shit in the mines? Like when he wasn't when he wasn't toiling away in the blue chew mines, was he just like <laughs> was he fucking just going to like to some after school program where he was learning about like how to construct Thalion radi- uh, radi- <laughs> um, uh energy weapons or some oh, shit. Yeah, so, so. After torture hour, we have library <laughs> silent study time, everybody. Yeah, self-direct, self-directed study. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this one's a little autodidact, aren't you? Hmm. How to topple how to topple empires. Wow, I can't believe they have this in the library. <laughs> All right, well, I'll read this. Uh, 
Uh, <laughs> <Deadpool>. <laughs> what, uh, what kind of uh, radiation are Romulans especially susceptible to? Oh, there's an entire book on this. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's wonderful. Wow, they're really stupid. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's a whole tome of killing Romulans. Yeah, well. Yeah, I would have liked it if, like, if, like, the, um, the shins on that's just been raised in the mines is just like a a, a, a dumbass. <laughs> he's just like he's, he's yeah he's just like a miner who has like black lung. He's yeah. just always coughing. He's like, hey, got <laughs> got any smokes on you? Hey, you uh, you you watch that Fox News over there? there and I'll tell you that 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 Brandon doing some fucked up shit. I'll, I'll tell you. You watch the blue collar comedy tour three thousand. <laughs> He's like, no, we don't watch that. Uh, <laughs> he's like, you know what? I saw one time I saw this rock look like another rock. <laughs> you know, you might be a reaming if. <laughs> you might be a reaming if. Uh, so the man that helped him uh, when he was only a small child. Oh, sorry. Um, so Picard asked Shinzon how uh, he ended up on Remus. I already got that. Nah, nah, nah. So. Uh, Shinzon says he would have died quickly had a man not taken pity on him in the mines and kept the Romulans away from him. <laughs> the man that helped him uh, when he was only a small child became his viceroy after Shinzon began to, his rise to power. He tells Picard that everything he has done has been for the sole purpose of li liberating the Remans, from building the scimitar at a secret shipyard to assembling his army and finally coming to Romulus in force. Shinzon realized the Romulans would never willingly liberate them, and so they would have to forcibly take their freedom. Okay, a lot of stuff here. A mm -hmm. lot of exposition here that yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. No. How, how did they build, how did they secretly build a ship <laughs> yeah. twice the size of the Enterprise? And, and we're talking underneath the Romulans. On a planet that's only half usable because it's always encloaked in darkness. Yes. And, and, and the fact that, like, the Romulans who are known for their spy craft. Yes. And, and their intelligence services. And their intelligence services had no idea this ship that's bigger than the moon is being fucking built just like. It's the fucking Death Star. They're building yeah, a Death Star. They're building the Death Star right underneath their noses. And the Romulans had no idea. No. Like they, and, and these guys who are just working and toiling in mines and slavery. Mm. <laughs> like with like no access to any sort of like are they just stealing a little bit of raw ore every day <laughs> yeah. and just like I got some ore let's make it into a ship that would have been funny if the ship just looked like shit yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> would have been if it was just like parts of other ships and yeah just like constantly that would have made apart. that would have made sense because how did they make this sleek massive thing it's enormous it's enormous it's literally it's twice the size of the Enterprise mm -hmm. E which is a pretty big ship I mean yeah. so it's like maybe one and a half times the size of like the Enterprise Price D, which is huge. Yeah. Huge. But somehow they found a way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when Picard asks um, just how many Romulans died for their freedom, Shinzon has to admit it was too many. But he is also glad to see the Empire is finally beginning to realize that there is a better way and a way of peace. Shinzon realizes that Picard doesn't trust him, and Picard has to admit it is so. Shinzon tells Picard that if it had been him on Remus, he would be doing the exact same thing. Picard tells Shinzon if he were in Picard's position, he'd know that Picard's responsibility to the Federation presents him, sorry, prevents him from letting his personal feelings affect his judgment. Mm -hmm. uh, facts don't care about my feelings, Shinzon. 
Um, that, that, that would have been funny if they just had like, uh, just like a little, like little uh, Ben Shapiro yarmulke on, <laughs> like the weird little Hitler haircut that he has. <laughs> uh, uh, Shinzon remarks that all he has to go with are his personal feelings, and that he wants to know what it means to be human. Oh God! Yeah, we like we haven't seen that that storyline a hundred times before. Yeah, we fucking yeah, <laughs> right? Like Data's literally doing this in the same film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's on his quest to be human, and they talk about it at the end of the film in his eulogy. It's so fucked up, man. Yeah. So while the Remans have given Shinzon a future, he wants to know about his past. Picard says that he can tell Shinzon about Picard's own past. Shinzon asks if the Picards were always warriors. Picard says he prefers to think of himself as an explorer. Exploring that body. <laughs> uh, so Shinzon asks if they were always explorers. Picard says he was the first of his family to ever leave the solar system. It caused a great stir in his family, but he had spent his life looking at the stars and dreaming of new worlds. And Shinzon like finishes his sentence for him. They're, they're definitely on the same page with We're that. always finishing each other's sandwiches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're always finishing each other's orgasms. Oh, fuck. Uh, that was a secret. Um, so Picard says that he wants to believe Shinzon and that the Federation strongly believes that all races can be united except for the bad ones and that a Starfleet captain standing in the Romulan Senate is a good example of that. Picard adds that when the trust of the Romulan Empire has been earned, he will be pleased to take Shinzon's hand job in friendship. <laughs> um, and I think that's uh, that's probably where we're going to leave it uh, for the, the first half of this episode before cool. we get into the real action. Oh, real shit. Real action satisfaction, baby. Real action jackson. Action jack-off. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I've been Britain. I'm Pat. Go listen to the second half of this episode. Oh, wait, it's not up yet? We'll fucking pay for our Patreon, and then it'll be up instantly, you dumb dick. Yeah. Suck it.